Happy New Year and happy 2023, everybody. Uh, we are back. It's been a few weeks. Lots going on. Uh, happy New Year to you, Tim. Indeed, 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 indeed. Uh, 2023, um, uh, award season well underway. Um, uh, yeah, a couple of our organizations have already... You know, done there. Neither thing. of us were there. We didn't go to either. We didn't go to either the Critics' Choice or to the uh, LA Film Critics. Critics at all. And Mark don't went feel, to both. Mark went to both. Mark is newly married, and he's he's you know trying to impress the new wife. So <laughs> <laughs> always dragging around to fancy events and stuff. So like, which yeah. what, what's funny is all, all of those places. There was um, there was a, there were a few events prior to that, and every single one of them were just COVID hotspots. Yeah, <laughs> and I'm like, oh, I knew it. Well, I just knew it. People. <laughs> People weren't showing up the Critics Choice Awards. Uh, both both Colin Farrell and Brendan Gleeson got COVID. I guess gave them give it to each other. Uh, and uh, who else? Oh, Michelle Pfeiffer came down with it. It's like yeah. you know, it's not killing people anymore. No, but nobody, no. people still don't want to get it. So um, anyway, um, Tim, we have also had an unbelievable. Like truly, it's like we did the last podcast. We were complaining that people weren't dying at a fast enough <laughs> clip for us, and then suddenly. Everybody dies. Oh man! So here's the list. You tell me where we start, because I mean, this is just there. That in fact, one was uh, just as I was coming coming to the end of the show. Uh, we had another one, which you may not have heard about yet. So yeah. here we go. Pele, ah. Barbara Walters, ah. Adam Rich, mm. Pope Benedict, oh. Owen Roisman, legendary cinematographer. Yes, 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 yes. I mean, you know, Exorcist and, and Tootsie and on and on and on. Uh, Anita Pointer. Yes. Vivian Westwood. Yes. Tatiana Petit, otherwise known as just the great supermodel Tatiana from the Freedom video, George Michael. Jeff Beck. Yeah. Lisa Marie Presley. Perfectly ludicrous, yeah. Gina Lola Brigida. Gina Lola fucking Brigida. Yeah. And then just within the last few minutes, Edward R. Pressman. Yeah, Ed Pressman. I did that. I was looking here and, I, and it popped up there and uh, 79. Uh, 79. You know, uh, just, just, you know, and, and the thing about, I used to run into him all the time when I was doing, uh, you know, junkets. Yeah. Uh, um, uh, over at the Four Seasons because Ed produced all the movies in Hollywood. Yeah. <laughs> so he was at every junket because he yeah. was either the producer, executive producer, or something on everything. Uh, American Psycho, Dust Boot, The Crow, Wall Street, Badlands. Yeah. Uh, uh, you know, you name it. Uh, going back for probably, uh, what, 40, 45 40 years. years. 40 years. Easy yeah. 40 years. Yeah, yeah, since he was in his 30s. He's, I mean, he's, he's old school. He's one of those old school producers that just cranked him out and and they were interesting every time you know bad lieutenant right i mean he was just he always had his fingers in something really interesting and really really unusual and novel and and always very commercial and um yeah i mean i you know like i mean it's 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 it was so sad to me the world cup ended on a on just you know kind of a low note for me because france lost but my boy mbappe still you know got got a got a hat trick in the world cup only the second time that's ever happened on the men's side first time since 1966 that's worth something uh and uh then of course for christmas i got an mbappe jersey my daughter (laughs) got an mbappe jersey we now have father daughter matching mbappe jerseys to uh to annoy all of the kids at school who wear the messy jerseys so there is that uh, and then Pele died. 
Oh man! And the thing about you and I, you know, are are are, are I any, anyway. I don't know why I keep dragging you up the up this mountain. I'm old enough to remember when 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 Pele was a very young player and spent some time here in the United States. You know, yep, playing at the and, Cosmos, New York, Cosmos. Uh, and, and, and and you know, I put you in this early what middle seventies or something like that, L- kind of mid to late seventies. Yeah, he more or less retired from. I mean, his his whole you know, it's fascinating. He. Like Messi is primarily known, even though he's from Argentina, he's known as a European player because he's played mm. in European leagues this whole time. He plays for Paris uh, Saint-Germain right now. He's with Mbappe. He and Mbappe are on the same team right now in Paris. Mm-hmm. Uh, he played for a long time, you know, at Barcelona. So, I mean, he's known as a European player. Uh, Pele never had that chance because he played for Santos in Brazil. And when the European leagues started calling and offering him money, the Brazilian government matched their offer they took money out of the public purse to pay Pele to keep him in brazil because he was such a national icon he was so important Mm. for the sport but also for young black players because it was it was the road out you know he was an inspiration for a whole class of people for a whole racial class of people in brazil for whom soccer then became, you know, a driving hope and an aspiration. And yeah. and it, he was, you know, he's he he's just one of the great figures, not just in sport, but of all time. I mean, there's that famous Ronald Reagan moment, right, where he said, hi, my name is Ronald Reagan. I'm the president of the United States of America, and I don't need to introduce you because everybody knows who Pele is. <laughs> right. There <laughs> was which, which is one of those great self-deprecating moments. But, you know, Pele, which is he's one of the great iconic figures of the last hundred years. I mean, the only person ever to win three World Cups. Made a movie, made a really good movie, uh, in in uh, in victory, you know, yeah, uh, yeah with, Stallone. With, with Stallone, yeah, 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 yeah. And and and, and I re- there's there's just there's this weird moment that I associate with Pele is a, a movie called Vision Quest. Yeah, uh, I mean, the, the, Matthew, the wrestling Matthew movie, Modine, the wrestling movie, Matt Modine, yeah. and then young young Matthew Modine, and all the you know, Ron Cox, all these uh, young Linda Fiorentino, and there's a mo- moment in that movie. When this guy that Matthew is working with in this kitchen at this hotel where he's making burgers is talking about Pele uh, and, and watching Pele uh, run down a field and, and leap into the air and, and flip upside down and kick a ball into a, into a, a, a soccer net and how the entire stadium went insane and, and how it was insane that any human being could yeah. do that. But he not only could do it, he, he did it all the time. <laughs> it was just, it yeah. was just, a, just, yeah. a, just an easy thing for him to run past all those people, all the way to one of those plays where he would just run the length of the yeah. uh, of yeah. the pitch, uh, and yeah. just you know, you're, you're making people fall down and trip Outrun over themselves. Everybody, outrun yeah. everybody, and and you know what warms the the cockles of my heart, and I don't know what cockles are, but but whatever <laughs> they are, uh, the, I've got them, and they get very warm. Someone asked him fairly recently, uh, you know, everybody's always like, oh, that guy's the next Pele. That's the next Pele, like the heir apparent. And they ask him, you know, if he, are there any players in whom you see yourself today? And you know what his answer was? Mm. Killian Mbappe. Ah, because, he, because he says he's fast like I was. And he, he just outruns everybody. And I just, you know, I love that kid. I just love that kid. So I, I'm, I think Mbappe, I think Mbappe will eventually surpass Pele. I think he's going to win yeah. three World Cups at least. I think he's going to win two more for France. I'm hoping. Uh, so look, look forward in four years. That kid's At the end of the back. day, it's all about being healthy. You stay healthy. It you is. know, yeah, yeah. Play, hey, Paley was healthy for a very, very, very long time. Now, when he went downhill, he went downhill. Yeah. Uh, uh, but, uh, but he was, uh, but he was very healthy for a very long time. 
Uh, so Bar- Barbara, Barbara Walters, Barbara. you know, that was, I mean, you know, I, I, we, she was out of the public eye for a while. So I think we all assumed that that was probably in the offing, but, uh, that was, I mean, uh, another icon, uh, you know, shattered all kinds of boundaries. Uh, we have a whole uh, generation or two of female journalists who are just busting it up at networks and, and, uh, national and local who are all inspired by Barbara Walters. Yeah, um, yeah, uh, just uh, doing amazing things uh, for a very, very long time, and 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 not always particularly inviting environment. Barbara Walters and a long line of female journalists go all the way back to Nellie Bly. Yeah, uh, yeah, 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 yeah. I guess or further, uh, and um, and 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 I don't know, dude. I I remember. And again, this is one of those things where sometimes I don't mind, you know, having having been on the planet a little a, a little while. I remember her sitting down with Mike Tyson. And Robert I Davis do too. And that, and all that, those post Oscar interviews. All know? those I mean, post Oscar interviews. The and, and the biggies too. I mean, you know, um, uh, 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 Sadat. Yeah. Uh, you know, I mean, that was, uh, but so like the queen, uh, she, she, she bridged all of that, yeah. you know, but she was completely and totally approachable. I used to talk to Barbara on the red carpets all the time. I feel like, I feel like all of these deaths as we get the 20th century is finally dying. Yeah. Well, there you, know? you go. That is, that is actually quite profound, my brother. Yeah. Uh, you can, you, you, uh, you, you should write that one down because I'm definitely yeah. going to be, be quoting you. Uh, uh, Lola freaking Bridget though. She went a little, uh. ding, she went a little dingbat. Uh, there, but, but you know what? The, 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 the Gina Lola Brigida that we know and love and think about, extraordinary, yeah. exquisite. And I know that she was a sex kitten and dutiful and all of that, but people do sometimes forget that she could really act. Yeah. No, she was, she was a tremendous actress, uh, older by about, uh, eight years than Sophia Loren. So she was sort of the first great Italian actress, this great screen beauty who captured international attention. And she set the stage for Sophia Loren. She made it possible for yeah. Sophia Loren. And, you know, just so, so stunningly, perfectly beautiful in all those movies. And you, you can easily forget how good she was at what yeah. she did. Yeah. Um, yeah, uh, that's that one. But, you know, 95, <laughs> good long life. Yeah, Adam Rich, not a good long life. No, um, Adam, 54. That, kid, that kid, that kid. You know, this is this is the one that just kills me. I I I watched the because uh, Adam Rich is one of the kids in the uh, in the closing uh, uh, Child Stars on your television song at the end of uh, Dickie Roberts' uh, uh, Child Star. Mm-hmm. The you know the the David Spade movie. They did one of those We Are the World type things at the end, except it's all Child Stars. And I'm watching that and I'm thinking, holy cow, they're all almost all dead. Like there are <laughs> truly it's really depressing to watch it. You go, OK, they're, they're either all dead or they're messed up. Like there are a handful of people still there. Like, you know, um, Kanicki, uh, what's his name? Uh, uh, Jeff Conaway. Jeff Conaway's gone. Oh, uh, rerun is gone. Oh, uh, man, right. Man. Uh, you know, uh, I mean, I mean, just one after another after another, they're they're just all gone. And then Adam Rich was one of the last, and he, in his line in that song is, eight rehabs isn't enough, but I've done and seen the most killer stuff." Yeah, and yeah. it's haunting because at fifty four, you go, "Oh man, did you did you really? You probably did. You probably fell off the wagon." And there it is. Well, it's he he was from that generation, you know, five or ten years before or after that was real uh, that Hollywood was really tough on, uh, um, and they include the, uh, you know the Corys, the two Corys, yeah, exactly. Uh, 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 got got one of them. The other one made it out. Uh, they they include Dana Plato. 
It includes Dana Plato. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it, 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 it got Dana. Um, it almost got uh, a Todd Bridges. Uh, yeah. but, Todd, but Todd made it out. Got but, Gary. You know, got Gary. So got Gary. Yeah. Got Gary. Yeah. Uh, and, uh, you know, and, and there's a whole, there's a whole, there's a whole, there's a whole. Todd, Bridges, Todd Bridges is one of the last ones in that, in that video who's still around. And I, I feel like I should write him a letter and just say, Todd, take a look at this video. Pay attention. Take care of yourself. Okay. <laughs> Todd, Todd, Todd did have his corner, his mother. Todd's mother was, was my wife, Bridget's uh, agent. Oh, uh, I think a, I knew that. I yeah, think I knew yeah, that. Uh, yeah, yeah. Todd, you know, Todd's mother was, and, yeah. and his father, Jim Bridges, so were, yeah. were, were agents back in the day. If you were a black uh, actor yeah. between the late 80s and the early and the right. 90s, there's one of the Bridges was, was your agent yeah. <laughs> for, for at least a little while. Sherman, our guy, their Abe yeah. was a, yeah. And so he had that going for him. He had his, uh, he had his, he, you know, he had, he had his actual mother uh, who was not one of those, you know, um, yeah. Uh, Bad mothers, <laughs> yeah. and uh, and and she and she kind of drug his ass out of that before it ate him. Um, uh, Todd used to always be in those ABC athlete. Uh, That's right. What, what, it was the stars, but they would do athletics like the Olympics. What the yeah. hell was that called? You remember I, that? Uh, Battle of the Network Stars. Battle of the I, Network Stars. I went yes. to ma- I went to many of them. Uh, I got a lot of autographs. I was actually at. The one where Rick Schroeder, who I would later become friends with, but where Rick Schroeder, young Rick Schroeder, he must have been 12 at the time or whatever, on the base, on the softball dunk. Who do you want to put in the softball dunk? And God bless him. He broke the rules and said, I want both Heather Thomas and Heather Locklear. (laughs) And he dunked him. And I was standing like 20 feet away. And I thought, Schroeder's my man. So there are Heathers, two Heathers, That's one of which Heather. made it out and then one of which yeah. didn't. <laughs> so, oh, man. Anyway. So Pope, Pope Benedict, uh, not much to say. They're not an actor, but, Yo, you know, Pope. high profile passing. Uh, yeah. And then what? 600 years, a thousand years, something yeah. ridiculous. Uh, since, yeah, first, uh, first one to resign in like 600 years. Uh, Owen Roisman, the a legendary cinematographer who shot yeah. so freaking much. I mean, you know, The Exorcist and Tootsie are the two that, that I keep coming back to. But, yeah, yeah. you know, Pelham 1, 2, 3, taking a Pelham 1, 2, 3. I mean, so many other great movies. Just, uh, and uh, you know, uh, all all New York stuff, right? Yeah. yeah. Um, Action just, horror. He captured New York. And it's, and it's crazy because when we were in New York last summer, uh, you know, I was walking around and getting like, you know, taking selfies of myself in, f- in front of like various spots, like Russian Tea Room. Where's Tootsie? I'm looking at Tootsie. <laughs> and then, you know, going over to, you know, the, like like three blocks away is where they shot, you know, the exterior day of the Jackal. I'm like, oh, that's fine. And as soon and at a certain point, I realized I'm like, you know what? Owen Roisman shot like every location that I've been to today. Except for Ghostbusters. That was the only one on my little, you know, tour of that part of Manhattan. But it's like, you're like, wow, Roisman really was the man who captured New York at that time. It was amazing. Such a such a great DP. Yeah. Great guy. Yeah. Anita Pointer, you know, we're we're down. We're down to one pointer sister now. And that's sad. We're down to one BG uh, as well. And and that makes me very sad. That makes me feel old. Right, yeah. Well, look. What did you, what, what did you call? Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. The, the twentieth century is is dying before our dying. eyes. Right, right, right there. Yeah. I don't know. And in in, in 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 a weird way, it just is all very sad. And but in a weird way, I feel so. I guess call it privilege. And I suppose every generation yeah. will feel this way about their generation. Yeah. To have to have uh, had all of these people that we're talking about, even Lisa Marie Presley, she was younger than me. Uh, yeah. Adam Rich is younger than me. 
Yeah. Uh, but I watched Eight is Enough in 1977 when it came on. Uh, uh, you know, I, I, I watched that kid at the beginning of his career when he, when, you know, there was no Avin Rich and now there's another. I remember yeah. when Lisa Marie was born. I remember it. I remember <sighs> it being on the cover of the Inquirer. I remember that photograph of Elvis, uh, you know, and so, uh, it, it, it somehow, uh, if, if, if you've literally, these things have literally been a part of your existence, uh, they, 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 they just sort of matter yeah, more than just you. a pop culture kind of way. Do you think, and, and I know it sounds craven and, and insensitive to even say this, but we, we have to, you know, this is our job. We do make these, these speculations. Things happen, and these things do matter. Does Lisa Marie's passing in any way help Elvis's uh, Oscar chances? Because they literally, like yesterday was when the polls closed for Oscar nominations. Now, mm-hmm. we know Elvis is going to get a pile of them. It's going to get Best Picture. It's going to get, you know, a whole bunch of nominations. And Austin Butler is going to get a Best Actor nomination. So the question is, does this now help that film's chances going into the awards? Of actually winning. Uh, of actually winning. Uh, say it, winning it, Best Picture. Uh, winning I, best, I picture. best Picture is wide open right now. I, 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 I think so, too. Um, um, but my, my gut t- still tells me that there are a lot of folks out there that just really, really love Top Gun. Yeah. Uh, and I think Top Gun is going to get a nomination. Uh, yes, and, it will. Uh, and I and there's something about there's something about the Oscars, uh, the 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 Academy that I feel like knows that we need to go big. Uh, um, uh, oh, they we, do. They know we that to, we 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 need to we need to nominate and have and have win. Not that they can control who wins, but 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 it, but nominate a, a really really big movie that millions and millions and millions and millions of people saw uh, and are yeah. rooting for and really like a lot. And I think that the Oscars ultimately. Uh, are going to be the evening of Tom Cruise, um, but Austin oh, that would be that would be something, and then it wouldn't bother me at all. Uh, and you know, I got other favorites, uh, but I yeah. love, I love, but I love Top Gun, and 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 uh, and and, and uh, you know, I've been doing those 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 little those little Oscar buzz things for the LA yeah. Times, you know, and and uh, and Austin and Elvis have been you know in my mix at the top. Does 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 the passion well, of Lisa Marie is she is it going to get that sympathy vote? I think Austin definitely, definitely, definitely is going to win Best Actor. Yeah, I think uh, so. and and, uh, and then he's going to give a lovely speech that will include yeah. something beautiful about Lisa Marie Presley. That's my prediction. I think you're right. Uh, you know, Vivian Westwood, uh, probably not that familiar to, to movie people, but, you know, huge, huge factor in uh, in uh, in punk and creating kind of a punk look uh you know making it mainstream so you know that was that was a legendary designer person uh Tatiana Petit Tatiana who was how most people knew her i mean i you probably know her mainly from the uh the George Michael Freedom video where she's yeah. she's there with all the other supermodels and and just looking spectacular uh went early to breast cancer uh, yeah. as they often do when you see it i always get terrified when i see a famous woman very successful and beautiful and then they die in their 50s and i, I it's just i know it's one of those female cancers that, that yeah. just that just are so devastating and that's so sad um jeff beck let's just close on jeff beck because you know a lot of people just it, one of the uh, great guitarists top 10 possibly top five of all time yeah i was watching some some jeff beck things online the other day just uh, kind of in awe of what he was making that guitar do like, like Eddie Van Halen, although in not quite as showy a way, but 
But it's like, you're like, how are you even getting that sound out of a guitar? I don't understand. You are more a guitar guy. You know that whole world uh, really well. I mean, talk about Jeff Beck for a second. Well, Jeff, along with Jimmy and, and, and Eddie and, and, and are at the top of the, the, the folks who B.B. Uh, King drove me to want to play the guitar. And what Jeff did um, uh, that was particularly extraordinary is that he played a pure electric rock and roll, blues, jazz, whatever whatever genre you want to talk about guitar. Jeff plugged a, a cable into his guitar and his guitar into his amp. And, and and he was done and he turned it up loud. Uh, you never saw Jeff walking around the stage stomping on a bunch of pedals and stuff like they used to do back in the day. Uh, you know, you know, you got all that kind of stuff and, you know, today running it through the computer. You know, uh, uh, you know somebody like uh, who's, who's who, uh, U2's guitar player whose name's. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, Edge, yeah. Edge, yeah. You know, he, yeah. he runs his stuff through all kinds of, and it's beautiful and I love it. It's fabulous. It's great. Jimmy used to have fun with that, you know, the wah wah. And, right, and right. I, yeah, I, 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 yeah, 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 you know, Clapton sometimes would get a little, a little interesting, and um, uh, uh, but but Jeff, no, uh, he plugged his guitar into his amp and turned it up loud. <laughs> That's just, you know, and it's just, I mean, it, it really amazing sounds that just came out of that guitar. I, I don't know. I mean, we've lost so many great guitars. It's kind of there. There's sort of. All, I mean, Jimmy Page is still around. Yeah, Jimmy. Clapping's still around, but we've lost uh, we've lost Paige, we've lost Prince, we've lost uh, uh, Eddie. Obviously, Eddie, uh, uh, yeah, is gone. Uh, yeah, uh, it's um, uh, and, and it's and the thing of it is, and, 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 and you, I, I know you would know know this, but a lot of people don't. It's not like we're making great guitar players. Guitar is not the the thing no, that I was know. when you and it's, I were kids. You know. No. Um, you know, you want to do everybody. Everybody wanted to be a, you know, so, but it's not really anymore. There, you know, the, who's who's the, who's that kid? Uh, Smashing Pumpkins. He's a very good guitar player. Oh yeah, I, uh, uh, yeah. and uh, yeah. and uh, and uh, the kid, the kid, a uh, couple of uh, um, uh, of the kids who play. Uh, look at me, the kids. These, these people are all fifty now. For the Foo Fighters, the Foo, <laughs> Pat, Pat Metheny over at the Foo Fighters, yeah. and and uh, and uh, and John Fashante over at the Foo Fighters. Beautiful guitar players, but they're all fifty. Uh, and, and, and you, if you want, so if, who's the kid, and, you, and then I want to give a shout out to the young man that you've been sending me videos of who's, who, how old is Ryder? The drummer. Oh, right, right. Ryder. Uh, Ryder is six years old. Ryder be good. G O O D E. Yeah. If anybody wants to look up his, uh, his Instagram. You, you, you and his, yes. Go look it up and look at some kind of way. I feel like we should, we should uh, you know, put a link or something, uh, because, uh, that six-year-old kid uh, plays the drums like my dad. <laughs> it, it, it is. This is Ryder. Be good. He's he's basically a drum prodigy. He's playing playing all around town. He plays live. He's six years old. He plays with adults, and uh, he's a you know he's a I mean he's younger. He's a classmate of my daughter's, and you know it, it was I first he, and he's a neighbor of some friends of ours, and I, he first fell across my radar at the school talent show, which is you know if you've ever been to an elementary school talent show. It's an elementary school talent show. <laughs> kids come out and they sing a song and some kid will come out and tell some, you know, really silly jokes and everybody kind of treats them with a courtesy laugh. And then there's some cartwheels and some hula hooping. And, you know, it's it's a it's an elementary school talent show and parents are, are happy. And then the curtains open up and there's fog and you're like, OK, what's this going to? And there's this little, you know, blonde kid sitting behind some drums. And you go, oh, isn't that cute? No <laughs> six year old is going to play some drums. And then next thing it's like it's it's, it's like you're 
it's like it's uh, you're watching Keith Moon. It's insane. It's just just shredding the drums. You go, how is this even possible? And it's like <gasps> unbelievable. And then at the end, he's got his headband on. The end, he's like lifted both of his sticks in the air, comes to the edge of the stage, pulls his headband off, throws it into the crowd of parents, and then jumps off the stage like he's jumping into a mosh pit. Funniest thing ever. This kid is like a boy. He's a heavy metal Mozart. That's what I call I love him. It. Heavy metal I Mozart. Love Amazing. Ryder, be good. He's, he's great. He's just terrific. Shout out. So, all right. Well, let's get going on some on some movies, and uh, I, I'm gonna I'm gonna just roll through some foreign stuff. It's been a while since we've really covered a, a good chunk of foreign stuff, so I'm gonna roll through some of this stuff and just make some recommendations that, that people might want to pick up. Uh, great old Japanese classic here that's uh, probably not on a lot of people's radar from a, a fascinating new label, Radiance. This is Big Time Gambling Boss. Uh, by the Japanese director Kosaku Yamashita, or Yamashita, mm. however you want to pronounce it. Yamashita is uh, is my preferred uh, uh, my preferred spelling. Um, you know, this is a, just an absolutely terrific late '60s Japanese new wave era uh, Japanese genre film. I think it's absolutely terrific. If you like that whole um, that whole yakuza moment, that whole samurai moment, big time it's, gambling it's, boss. It's set in the thirties. It was made in the sixties, yes. but it's set in the thirties. Yeah, that's right. Made in the sixties, set in the thirties, but it's an absolutely terrific genre film. It's a, it's just, it's, it's right in that pocket of all of those, those, those samurai and those gangster movies that were made during that time. Big time gambling boss from Radiance. Look for more really cool stuff from them. Uh, Don Lee, not a, not a bad action guy, uh, on his, on his own, kind of a heavy set, uh, guy for people who, who've kind of followed his, uh, his career. Um, he is, this is a, uh, a Korean film takes it's a Korean cop film. He stars in the roundup, uh, which is, which is out from, uh, Cape light. And this is, uh, you know, this is a good solid kind of knockoff of what they used to do in Hong Kong, what they still do to a limited degree in Hong Kong. But Korea has kind of picked up the baton. So it's a good, tough cop story there. Um, Silvio from Music Box Selects. This is by Albert Bernie and Kentucky or uh, Kentucker Audley. This was a 2017 uh, hit at the South by Southwest Film Festival. Um, it's it didn't get a huge theatrical release from Music Box, uh, who usually you know gets a, a little bit of a, a profile. But uh, this is a very very strange movie, and it's based on a series of avant-garde vines, vines those little movies, right, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. by Albert Burney. and uh, it's it's all about this this gorilla in Baltimore who became ridiculously famous. It's a totally bizarre thing. It's got a commentary on it, some deleted scenes, really, really um, uh, just bizarre and fascinating. And um, you know, you're, you're, I, I, you got to see it. I'm not going to give anything away. It's, it's, it's weird and hilarious and funny and totally eccentric. And it speaks to our whole social media driven moment. It really does. Um, Got a movie here called missing. Mm. which i also missed uh it's 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 that the um shinzo uh yes okay yeah i I have to say this for the show it's very very powerful film it 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 is right i mean i i missed this one when it was released i don't even think i heard it heard it on the show you go ahead and talk about it for a second well it's 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 this very very strong film about this young girl and her father and the father is this guy who's having all kinds of problems and he goes missing she goes looking for her father Meantime, there's a serial killer 
uh, roaming about, uh, the radio reports and everything that's going on there. Her father is involved with that serial killer in this very uh, particular kind of way. Uh, and how these stories all sort of weave themselves together is what's so powerful. This, that, 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 that young girl whose name I'm not going to, I'll leave, I'll leave all that up to you. Uh, it's just extraordinary in this movie. And so is Jiro Sato, the guy that plays her father. It's really, really. Uh, interesting uh, weaving together of a father story, uh, father daughter story with a serial killer story. It's pretty, it's pretty, it's pretty intense stuff. It's pretty intense stuff. Um, also got a really interesting film here. This is from Distrib Films via uh, Icarus Films Home Video. This is uh, called The Invisible Witness, and it's um, it's an Italian film, it's an international co-production, but it's uh, it's it's Italian language, and um, Really, 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 I, I could see somebody uh, remaking this in Hollywood or even turning it into a series. It's fascinating. Um, it is a it's it's a murder mystery. It's a thriller. It's definitely procedural, but it is so deeply, deeply psychological. And it, it's uh, it's about this guy, this really, really wealthy Italian businessman. And he he finds himself basically waking up at one point uh next to the the body of the woman he's having an affair with mm. and uh there are all there's all kinds of interesting artifacts and evidence and it's about really trying to reconstruct what happened get to the bottom of it in this vertigo hitchcockian kind of way um but it takes these fascinating these fascinating twists and turns and these, these, it just goes into really unusual places. And I could see somebody really, really, I mean, look, forget about all this, you know, glass, whatever, Ryan Johnson stuff on, on Netflix, something like invisible witness is for real. It's really, really intense. Uh, we also have a Jet Li double feature here. Oh yeah. Uh, a couple of classic old Jet Li films that, uh, Eastern light has brought here in uh, double feature. Fist of Legend and Tai Chi Master. Fist of Legend, of course, is Jet Li playing the same character that Bruce Lee played in uh, played earlier in his career, mm-hmm. and uh, you know, legendary Chinese hero who you know uh, holds it down against the Japanese. And then uh, Tai Chi Master with Michelle Yeoh, who's about to get an Oscar nomination, possibly a win. Yeah. Um, a, a very loose telling of the story of the guy who who created Tai Chi. Um, it was not a fighting art at the time but you know nonetheless they they, they beautifully young michelle yo oh my gosh this movie has such fun stuff in it it's so fun tai chi master is a great movie i remember when it came out fist of legend is great too but it's more you know less wire work more real uh real fighting and whatnot yeah uh movie called 200 meters by amin naifa naifa all this is from film movement uh this is a, a palestinian film takes place in the west bank uh, and uh, the, uh, the, the title 200 meters refers to the distance between, uh, his wife and his children who live in Israel. And, uh, he, he has to use a work permit to get to them. And it's, it's really, it, it, it's a, it's a fascinating film. It's dramatic. It doesn't, it doesn't overly politicize the situation, but it does humanize it. And, uh, I think it's really well worth seeing. It's a really, it's utterly fascinating film has a bonus short film on it as well, but it's really solid. 200 meters, well worth watching if you want something that, uh, story that you don't often see. Uh, the Student and Monsieur Henri, or Mr. Henri, by uh, Ivan Calberac. That is, uh, oddly enough, it's not a French film. It's a, uh, no, I'm kidding. 
Of course, it's a French film. <laughs> uh, this is also from Distrib and Icarus. Um, this reminds me a little bit of Nelly and Monsieur Arnaud, uh, which I, I love so, so dearly. Uh, it's it's kind of in that same thing. Claude Brasseur, who, who's just still so wonderful, um, plays this this crusty old guy, and he just doesn't like uh, his son's girlfriend. And uh, so he he he's he he concocts a plan to bring another young woman into the picture to break up his son and uh, and his relationship. Anyway, it's it, it, this winds up being funny and poignant and just such a sweet film. Uh, the student and Monsieur Henri really, really good. And Claude Brasseur, who's just he's he's been he's fabulous. Uh, and then, uh, you know, the the young lady, um, uh, Noemie Schmidt, is really good i'm looking forward to her doing some stuff in the future too because mm, she's mm. just a great young actress uh let me hit a few more here we've got the uh, the last bookshop in the world which i found to be absolutely charming by uh mac rax oh gosh i, I mispronounce this name every time <laughs> rinakangas 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 something I don't know. Anyway, this is a uh, a Finnish Spanish co production. Did you see this by by chance? This was I don't think I saw that one. Yeah, this I forget who was on who was on Film Week this week. Anyway, this is a really really cool documentary uh, that's uh, all about you know the the disappearance of bookshops and and bookstores and um, it, it's quite poignant, but it's it's interesting and it it's just it's really very. Um, it's, it's a wonderful tribute to literature and physical books and why you probably should, you know, focus a little bit on, on some paper and mm. not something that'll, you know, the battery will run out at some point. Yeah. Um, the witch, the other one, there are too many movies called the witch and I lose track of which ones are connected to which ones, but, uh, this is a Korean uh, film. It's a science fiction action mm-hmm multi-genre hybrid uh the film that came before this was the witch subversion which i did not see so i had to kind of reconstruct my understanding of that this is really really well done and it's not about um like supernatural witch stuff it's about this it's it's a little deceptive it's about the witch program yeah which is right it's a it's a whole secret laboratory type stuff Yeah. yeah it's secret lab stuff and, um, you know, this this girl who's part of it and trying to rescue her. And it starts to feel very stranger things at a certain point, mm. uh, you know, 11 and, and all that kind of thing. So some great CGI, great effects, really intense action. Uh, as long as you understand, it's not like a witch casting spells and brewing a cauldron. The witch, the other one. Mm. Got another. Uh, let's see another one here from uh, with another from Distrib and uh, Icarus. The wonderful Emmanuel Berco stars in Peaceful, which was uh, screened at the uh, last Cannes Film Festival out of competition. This is mainly known because they. they this is one of the most re- you know Catherine Deneuve doesn't act a lot anymore, and she occasionally comes out. And when she does, she's just as magnetic and amazing as always. And. Um, this is uh, effectively the the story of a man p- played by Benoit Magimel and his mother played by Catherine Deneuve and their their struggles with her her uh, augmenting illness and mm. uh, you know it's it's really intense family drama Emmanuel mm. Berco does a beautiful job staging this and directing this terrific film all the way through great cast beautiful script uh, it's called Peaceful appropriately enough. Uh, another, uh, let me just do a few more here. Got I see another. you have a man called Ove. 
Yeah, I want to get to that. Yeah, let's 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 jump ahead to that because that's uh that that has an adaptation right now. That's the only reason why. why. I mean, I happen to I happen to have reviewed that man called Ove in 2015 or thereabouts with Andy, our 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 boy Andy Klein, uh, on on the radio, and then total happenstance. I'm on the radio a a week or two ago (laughs) with Andy Klein, and we were reviewing Tom Hanks and a man called Otto. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, man, uh, that that was really, really weird. Interesting thing about that movie and the auto movie, Tom Hanks' movie. I yep. swear to God, if you put them in, if you put them in and you start them at the same time, yeah, they are almost scene for scene the exact <laughs> same movie, which is perfectly great because it, the first one, A Man Called Love, was a, a perfectly old, a, older guy. His wife has died. Uh, uh, his job uh, has sort of aged him out, uh, and 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 he's ready to tap out. He lives on the street. He's this grumpy old guy. This this couple moves in next door uh, with a couple of kids, and they're quirky, and they sort of get involved in his life. He gets involved in their life, and and uh, you know, and before you know, it, he doesn't want to kill him kill himself anymore. <laughs> so it's one of those. Yeah, and and they're literally exactly the same. That is, you know, I, I have not seen Man Called Otto, so I'm glad you have. Uh-huh. Uh, but but a lot of people are not liking a man called Otto. So which one? I, I love a man called called uh, Ove or Ove or however you want to call it. Ove, I, mean, I love Ove. it. I, I think it's great. I, it was Oscar nominated. It's really fun. It's very sweet. It's very Scandinavian. I thoroughly enjoyed it. But but what's your what's your what's your take on how the two films compare? I can't I can't see how you wouldn't like uh, uh, Otto. If you didn't like Ove, they're literally the same movie. A couple of different, a couple of changes, something to do with his father and this and the other thing. But other than that, you're walking through the exact same movie. And I'm sorry, uh, I think Tom is really, really good in the auto movie. Uh, I, I haven't seen him scowl so much. Yeah. Not even in a war movie does he scowl as much as he does in that movie. So interesting. People don't, people are not into it. I kind of dug it. Got a very very sweet film from 1996, which makes me sad because oh. it, this is this is the Jacques Doyon film Ponette, and I used Ponette. to I used I, I remember I just thought this, this movie got the cutest girl in the world, uh, Victoire Tivisol, Tivisol, Victoire Tivisol, sweet little four year old in this movie. Such you know, it's it's a little girl. She loses her mom, and you you know then she gets bounced around the family, and it's just it's 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 such a sweet, touching movie. And what's so compelling about it is that this little girl is such a good actress at four, like mm. so good. She's just so compelling. And I'm and, you know, I thought this was such a wonderful thing to have to to it's finally out on Blu-ray from Kino Lorber. And and it has a great, you know, Sam Dayan uh, does a great another great uh, audio commentary on it. And uh, and then I realized, oh, my goodness. This girl is now pushing 30. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, yeah. you know, it, 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 I'm like, holy cow. Look, no, she like, was four in night. She was four in 1996, oh, 95, man. 96. Yeah, man, uh, it's unbelievable. So, yeah, she I mean, she's over 30. She'd be yeah. over 30 now. So, I mean, that's just she probably has a ponette of her own. Anyway, ponette, P-O-N-E-T-T-E. Uh, such a sweet film. Such a beautiful, pure little movie. Lucino Visconti's L'Innocente is also mm-hmm. out from Film Movement Classics. Uh, Jennifer O'Neill co-stars along with Laura Antonelli and Giancarlo Giannini. Um, great movie. Just a great movie. Uh, Visconti is a, a filmmaker mm-hmm. I think is going to continue to soar in people's esteem over the years. He made such just just l- l- beautiful, beautiful, floral, uh, you know, opulent movies. They're just beautifully shot, beautifully acted, just meticulously made. 
Uh, and Lino Cente is, uh, you know, a, a, an adaptation of a very, very famous Italian novel. Yeah. And it was uh, Visconti's last film. Yeah. Uh, you know, it takes place in the, in the thick of the Italian aristocracy. And it's just uh, it's just a wonderful one of those wonderful kind of 19th century uh torrid romance and and drama things it's it's really good stuff yeah uh, i want to talk about a romanian film here that i uh that i had a, a very close experience to miracle by bogdan george apetri who teaches at in new york uh at columbia i believe um so this screened in los angeles and um i had the great privilege of doing a q a on both nights that of the opening here in los angeles did one with uh, uh, a Petri. He was here for for the Saturday night screening, and then I did both nights with uh, Joanna Bugarin, the uh, the star of the film, who is luminous, absolutely luminous. This is the second film in a trilogy, but you don't need to all see them. It's kind of a Kieslowski like trilogy mm. of things that think the movies that are sort of not a single story. They're connected thematically and by some interlocking characters. And um, this is this is a fascinating, fascinating, powerful film. I'm very hot and cold on a lot of Romanian movies. I think the whole Romanian new wave thing gets a little bit precious in the hands uh, of some filmmakers. I, I, uh, the, the death, I, I don't think, I don't think death of Mister Lazarescu. I, I kind of love that, but um, yeah, but yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Well, in, in this one, this is a this is a story of a woman who runs away from a convent. May or may not be, you know, you don't know at the beginning of it, may or may not be a full nun, might just be, uh, you know, a woman who's, who's, who's starting the path to become a nun because, you know, there's a process. Mm. And um, something terrible happens to her. And the, uh, then the story kind of takes a second half where there is a, 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 an investigator who is responsible for focusing on what happened to her. So I, I'll leave that with you. It's, it's kind of bifurcated that way, but it, it, um, there's something near the end, and I wish I could talk more about it because it was a huge part of the Q&A, but there's something that happens near the end that is some of the best filmmaking you will have seen in years. It is, mm. it is really extraordinary. And uh, to hear Apetri talk about it and how they did it was, was really fascinating. I mean, done completely without CG, just so that people understand. It was, it's, 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 a, it's a moment. It's a long shot. It's, I'll tell you that much. Mm. It's a long take, but it's all done in camera. And it's uh, it's one of the most fascinated single fascinating single take things I've ever seen, mm. and you'll see why because it's not the camera you know moving all over creation. It's it's very subtle, and you almost wouldn't even notice it. So a uh, really really great movie, Miracle from Film Movement. I think the third film in that uh, trilogy has just been completed, and the first one has not been released here. So anyway, but look for uh, Yuana Bugarin uh, to to be a big thing. She speaks perfect English. Mm. I just want to point that out. Wonderful actress, perfect English. Um, also, Sex and Lucia, the unrated director's cut. Uh, oh, it was already pretty steamy in the in the rated cut. Young Paz uh, Vega. You and I saw this together. We saw yeah. Sex and Lucia at the same screening. I remember yeah. that. Yeah. yeah, this was this was this was absolutely terrific. Uh, by Juli, Julio Medem. Yeah, this was a this was a great film. One of the great foreign language films of. Jeez, it's been a while, hasn't it? Yeah, yeah, the last twenty years. But uh, anyway, this is great. This is from Music Box as well. Uh, it's got featurette interviews, cast and crew, trailers, um, you know the usual. But it's a, it's a, it's a beautiful. It's Paz Vega is wonderful in it. It was yeah. this was her her breakout role, yeah. and uh, you know it's it's got beautiful Mediterranean locations, and it's uh, it is deeply erotic, and um, 
you know, uh, the unrated cut is even more so. Yep. Tim, let's talk about Fear for a second. The uh, the Bulgarian film, which was the, uh, the by Ayalo Hristov. Um, did you see Fear by chance? Uh, let's see. Which one are we talking about here? Fear uh, is the Bulgarian film Oscar submission uh the for bulgaria and it's about uh this what it's all black and white beautiful black and white but it's about this uh woman who lives close to the turkish border in bulgaria and she bumps into an african refugee who's trying to you know make his way and 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 he's you know he's not in great shape and so she helps him out gives him place to give him something to eat and gives him place to stay and then um they just kind of have this it's a uh, this fascinating fish out of water thing at that point this like guy from africa and this small bulgarian village it's really very interesting hmm. it's like the most it's it, i mean i'm not big on bulgarian cinema because there's so few <laughs> bulgarian films yeah but i'm like all right i you know it's a little bit like a touch of romanian and a little hungarian influence in it and you can see a little turkish influence in it but uh, it is otherwise a really really interesting film and and i you know i never thought about it but if you think about it all the refugees from from Africa and from North Africa and even the Middle East, anybody who's arriving in on the Mediterranean shores, most of them are going through France or through Italy or through Greece. But if you're going through Europe, Bulgaria is going to get a fair chunk of them, too. And we mm -hmm. don't think about Bulgaria as a transit place for refugees, but mm. it's a fascinating film. Uh, Emergency Declaration is a uh, uh, another Korean film. This is like a Korean version of of Airport and Die Hard, <laughs> uh, all wrapped together with like a a little bit of a little bit of COVID kind of thrown in there. It, it, basically, you got a, a a play. It's really well done, by the way. This thing is insanely. Oh, this thing well is done. like a. It, it's it's fast. It's. Oh. Uh, so you think of the uh, think of something like the shootout scene in Heat, Michael Mann's yeah. Heat. Yeah. There are four of those in this yes. movie. Yeah, that's <laughs> it opens, true. It opens in one of those, and if you're as old as I am, and you you know, either pay attention to history or spend some time in the military, like I do, you know the incidents in the in in, in this movie. The, the, this movie alludes to several incidents that happened between North and South Korea. Uh, and um, uh, that that actually happened in the early mid mid eighties, including the defection of a North Korean uh, uh, fighter pilot to South Korea. It was a big deal. Uh, they, yeah, they, I remember they, that. I was in the Air Force when that happened. We scrambled yeah. of, of fighters uh, off, off the. It was, uh, so, and there are two or three of those. And and then you have these two agents in this sort of you know who's the who's the sort of deep cover super mole. Yeah. You know, working for the North Koreans. Is it me? Is it him? It's all that kind of stuff. Again, set against the background of these actual historical uh, moments. And the, the guy who stars in this, if I'm not mistaken, has something to do with the, uh, he's one of the, um, what is it? Squid Game. He's one of the Squid Game. Yeah, they, uh, I mean, you, every, pretty much everybody in here, you're going to go, okay, that's the guy from Parasite. Yeah, Joseph that's and every, Parasite who's there and everything, right? That's okay, that, they're from Squid Game. Like, if you've been watching anything Korean for any period of time, you're going to recognize everybody in this movie. They, they, <laughs> it's, it's like a, like if Irwin Allen were Korean, this would this is what he would have made. Yeah, and yeah, yeah. and yeah, I mean, effectively, it's 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 it, it asks the question: uh, What would happen if if a psychopath infected himself with a virus for which there is no cure, mm -hmm, and mm -hmm. then uh, decided to spread it among all the passengers on a plane? What do you do? Do you let the plane land? 
Mm-hmm. What I mean, what happens at that point? And uh, how do you help the people on the plane? I mean, it's really it's a it's it's a great it's a it's a great contrivance. And uh, you're dealing with, you know, like the Korean government, you're dealing with the journalists, you're dealing with the all the people it, like the, every suddenly this just taps so many different places and so many lives. You're on the plane, you're off the plane, you're in the, you know, here in this press conference, you're back on the plane. Somebody else is dying. It's like it's so intense. It's just so freaking intense. Implausible, sure, but who cares? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and then let's see. I'll just wrap out the uh, pull a couple of these here. We're trying to you know, some few things. Uh, so the Academy Award winning Ida. Also mm-hmm. want to make mention oh, yeah. as we're coming up on the Academy Awards here, Pavel Pawlikowski's uh, wonderful Ida, um, and, and, and you know a Polish film is again in the mix. And uh, Ida is uh, it was a wonderful award winning black and white Polish film, mm. tremendous, uh, beautifully shot movie. It takes place in 1962. You know it's about a, a, a young woman who's a nun and you know trying to reconnect with her roots and what happened to her and you know the possibility of her Jewish parentage. Anyway, really great film, uh, beautifully beautifully made. That's from Music Box. That's on Blu-ray. Mm. Definitely want to check that out. And then lastly, the great Italian director Nanni Moretti. Uh, who won the uh, Palme d'Or at Cannes for The Sun's Room. A couple of films out for his, uh, from his catalog as well, from Film Movement Classics, is Caro Diario, Dear Diary, which was at Cannes one of the years that I was there. Hilarious. It's basically Nanny Moretti starring in his own movie on a travel log, and it keeps going. <laughs> it's very funny, and it keeps going back to uh, the uh, Henry Portrait of a Serial Killer, uh, which is a movie he hates, and he keeps... He, he, <laughs> It, it, there are a lot of references to Henry Portrait of a Serial Killer in there because he just can't stand it. It's very, very funny. And then Santiago Italia, which is a more recent film. Uh, this was at the New York Film Festival and the Vancouver Film Festival. And uh, this is a... Uh, um, a uh, Nanny Moretti is, a, is very politically active, too. Caro Diario, not so much on that end, but he's he's very much part of the Italian left, and he's... He he lets that hang out every once in a while, and this is one of those films. This is his um, um, his his look at the uh, what happened in Chile in the nineteen seventies mm. and with Pinochet and all of that non horrible horrible stuff and who was responsible for what. Won't rehash the history, but it's um, it's it's a it's an unusual film from uh, Nanny Moretti, Santiago Italia. Uh, that that delves into that episode, which not even Chile has really dealt yeah. with very well. But he sees in it a mirror of fascism in Italy. So he sees kind of the reverberations of what he and so many other Italians loathe from their past, echoing into another country in the, in the recent past. And mm-hmm. so he he decides to tackle that. It's really really a fascinating film. Um, uh, you know, lots of firsthand testimony and and whatnot. So really really cool. Anyway. So there's that for for foreign language today. Wow. Um, drop into uh, some uh, 4K or, uh, or yeah, Criterion. Uh, yeah, 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 either one. And I also popped open some documentaries here. There's some interesting stuff there. But yeah, wherever you want to go. Uh, let's let's start with the. Let me get the, these two arrows out of the out of the picture, and then we can talk oh, about yeah. uh, the execution cri- collection and the Dunwich Horror. Yeah. So uh, the Dunwich Horror. Um, you know, I, I had to it, it's it's been a minute since I saw this. Uh, so I had to kind of get back into it again because it it's it's one of those movies that I <coughs> excuse me. I didn't have fond memories of. 
You know, it's it's like it's an old uh, it's uh, Daniel Haller who Haller who directed it. Uh, Nineteen seventy. This movie goes back. Yeah. It's, yeah. Yeah, this is this is nice. Daniel Haller, who directed it, is a is a um, uh, a Corman acolyte. So he kind mm. of brings the whole Corman school with him uh, to this, and it feels very much like a Corman thing. I I I had not realized until I rewatched it that Curtis Hansen yeah had, had written this when he was Green calling Fred, himself yeah. Curtis Lee Hansen yeah 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 dropped uh, the lead at a certain point. So Curtis Hansen, you know, one of those guys that came out of the Corman factory and became yeah. much more legit. Um, yeah. I still don't quite like it, but for different reasons now that I didn't like it then. Do you have any opinion about the Dunwich Horror? Well, it's funny because you and I are but 1970 uh, the, the film. You and I are are, are involved in, in 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 a documentary that's about a thing called cosmic horror. Yeah. That's, uh, uh, yes. Uh, and and uh, and, uh, and and you and I won't give anything away. But this is one of those films, uh, yes. a, a, a cosmic horror film, uh, the Necronomicon and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. Uh, that's going on. Look, what I like about this film is Sandra D and Dean Stockwell and Ed. Begley. Uh, but it's really sort of a, 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 a classic film out of that style of horror film that was being made, you know, yeah. in the late 60s and early 70s. So, yeah, you know. See, I originally didn't like it because I was too young at the time and it scared the daylights out of me. It doesn't scare me anymore. And I like exploitation film I mm-hmm. quite mm-hmm. a lot. So all of that. But here's what I didn't like. I didn't like seeing Sandy D in this. <laughs> you just kind of ruined Sandy D. Where I was like, you know what? I I didn't when I saw it before. I didn't really know who Sandy D was, and then I fell in love with Sandy D and all those Gidget movies. And now I see her in the Dunwich Horror, and I I'm kind of turned off. <laughs> Getting all oozed on. Talia Shire too. I forgot she was in this movie. Yeah, no. Yeah. I mean it's it's got a, it's got a it's got a great cast. Anyway, a uh, terrific bunch of extras on this thing. There's an audio commentary uh, from the creators of uh, Arkham County, Guy Adams and Alexandra Benedict. Um, conversations interviews uh you know all kinds of great stuff there's a there's a really cool interview here with um uh science fiction and fantasy writer ruthana emery's who wrote the innsmouth legacy series who who Ah. talks very much to the whole cosmic horror thing um the uh you know, there's the uh, an analysis of the score by uh, Les Baxter. Um, really interesting stuff. So the the all the extras really make this thing worth worth watching. Probably, I would say. Uh, and then the Executioner collection. This is Sonny Chiba. Mm. We've got a lot of Sonny Chiba coming out lately. We had the Sonny Chiba collection of films uh, not too long ago. Uh, Sonny Chiba starred in. Um, in in these two rather shockingly violent movies, <laughs> uh, really pretty pretty intense, uh, and there and it's all out now in a single set. Um, does it hold up? I guess if you're a Sonny Chiba fan, which I am, yeah. but I mean it's really it, you're, you're not watching this for the plot or anything. I mean it's you know it's all kind of standard procedural stuff. Uh, you know, seventies era narcotics trafficking and you know, mercenaries and all this kind of stuff. But you're watching it to just see Sonny Chiba just bust people up, just crack heads <laughs> and break bones. That's all you're watching this for. And I, I'll tell you, I think this is pro- this is better than the Street Fighter movies by far. Oh, I, yeah. I, 
Sonny, Sonny fought with anger, not with not with style or exactly. or any That's of those it. things that, that uh, you know, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Bruce Lee. No, Sonny was just mad. This That's box is it. just the one with the box. It's basically like a fireball. Yeah, that's and, it. That's and Sonny's it. face yeah. right in the middle of it. And, he's, yeah. and then he's got the nun chips and he's doing yeah, it. That's his it. Face, what is it. And he's yeah. just got this look in his eyes. And that's the way Sonny fought. Yeah. <laughs> Everybody, as if he was literally just going to rip them to pieces. And I loved it's, it. It's funny because, you know, when I watch, if I were watching this with a crowd, I'd be cheering left and right. <laughs> when I watch it alone, I, I'm much more subdued because I don't want to freak my family out. <laughs> Uh, especially my daughter who's scared by everything. So I'll, I'll sit there with, you know, kind of the headphones on and you know, something horrible happens and you go, Oh, well, that was, that was brutal. And, uh, and then, you know, somebody will walk in the room and I quickly push pause. That's how, that's how it goes. Uh, so let's hit these criterions. Let's start off with Cooley High. Oh, Cooley, Cooley, Cooley High. Interesting though, because you and I are also involved with the project that, that uh, may, may involve the great Michael Schultz, Indeed. Uh, director of Cooley High, among many other things. Who, and, is, still, who is still a force? Oh, man. Schultz, uh, uh, a force, nearly 50 years later. And, uh, you know, Michael, Michael was a producer on Black Lightning and all kinds of stuff, just, just in a very important. So Cooley High, you're written by the wonderful Eric Monte. You gave us, it gave us, uh, Glenn Turman. It gave us, uh, Lawrence Hilton Jacobs. Uh, Garrett Morris is walking around Cooley High. A very, 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 very young, uh, Robert Townsend is walking yeah. around Cooley High. Uh, 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 Stephen Williams. This is, it's, it's a story that made in the seventies, but set, uh, in that, during that sort of, um, that middle 60s, 60s moment, yeah. Chicago uh, period with all the great music, you know, Marvin Gaye, all, all that kind of stuff. So the soundtrack is quite a thing from Cooley High. When I saw this movie uh, in 19, I think, 76, when it came out, something like that, uh, uh, you know, I was 14, 15 years old. And, and, and in the black community, this movie was just the most important thing uh, out there, that soundtrack of the story. And it's, and it's the kind of movie that when I saw it as a teenager, my parents saw too, because it was literally their generation that yeah. the movie was about. Which uh, was they, smart, which yeah. is smart. Yeah, yeah. You you're, know, you're, just, pulling, uh, you're pulling those generations together in one film. Yeah. You know, you and I have talked about this too, because this is often roped in with black exploitation, which is yeah. kind of a catch-all for all films either made by black filmmakers or featuring black actors or both made between about 1968 and about mm. 1978, 79. If you kind of rope in penitentiary on the, on the, on the far end, you know, mm -hmm. maybe 1980 on the outside, but a lot of those films are not exploitation films. No. And Cooley high is one of them. Yeah. Cooley, Cooley high know? is not exploitation. Not Shaft, Shaft is not exploitation. Shaft is not. The learning tree is not, no. No, you no, know, no. so all, a lot of these films and you just don't belong under that categorization, even though they're lumped in because they're from the same moment. And because a lot of the same people show up in them and, and work on them. But Cooley High is Cooley High is a legit drama, a legit snapshot of a moment in time, a legit period film mm -hmm. and uh, a, a really, really fascinating uh, movie from the period that has, has absolutely survived the test of time. And, and, you know, an unusual film, I think, for Schultz, because he was, he, you know, he made so few films at that time, but they're all different. Yeah. And, and look, I, 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 I hasten to say this because, but I will anyway, because I didn't know it for a very long time. I certainly didn't know it when I was uh, 14, 15 going to see this movie. Michael Schultz is black. All right. His father was German uh, and, 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 and his mother is black. But Michael Schultz is relatively speaking like Obama or whatever, but but but, but black. And, I, and, I, and, and, I, and it's, it's sort of an important thing because for a very long time, 
like I said, I didn't I didn't realize uh, that that he was relatively speaking speaking in, you know, in the context of what we're talking about black until like the eighties. <laughs> uh, you know, and it, because I just assumed, and yeah. then you know, and and uh, but uh, yeah. yeah, so th- there, there you have it. You know, got a couple of multi film collections from Criterion here. Uh, Michael Haneke trilogy, uh, which always scares me because as as I've grown to like Michael Haneke, I still don't like a lot of his earlier films. Uh, and this has the Seventh Continent, Benny's video, and seventy one fragments of a chronology uh, of chance on it. Those are this is the director approved Blu Ray collection of those three films, and um, you know these are important in his in his body of work. I still prefer obviously his later films. I'm trying mm. to look at some of these, uh, which all come from the like eighty nine to ninety four period. I'm still trying to look at these through through you know revisionist eyes and see if I can not be absolutely horrified by how cold and, and, and <laughs> mm-hmm. just cruel his his view of the world is. And I'm, you know, I can kind of get there a little bit. Uh, they still leave me colder than I would like. Mm. I'll say that. But uh, anyway, there's a wonderful documentary on here about his career, uh, which has all kinds of great interviews with it from all, you know, great people he's worked with, Juliette Minoche and Isabel Huppert. Oh, the, the thinnest of our times thing. It's, yeah. it's it's a wonderful it's a wonderful wonderful doc, and uh, you know otherwise I mean it's you know it's a pretty cynical view of humanity in these three films. But Benny's video is uh, is a, is a particularly interesting kind of re- film to look at in hindsight. Uh, we also have a uh, a wonderful set here of three films by My Zetterling. And uh, my Zetterling, one of the, you know, probably the only great female Swedish director uh, of, of note over the last 50 years or so. These are all from uh, the early to late 60s, 64, 66 uh, and 68. The films are Loving Couples, Night mm-hmm. Games and The Girls. Um, and my Zetterling really is still very influential, not talked about enough. Uh, a pioneering director on many levels, not just, you know, breaking gender barriers, but uh, also because of the the issues that she tackled, which are mostly mm. uh, feminist issues and, and things that had to do with a lot of um, a lot of changing mores in the 1960s, especially in Sweden. Mm-hmm. And uh, but they still the films still hold up. They're really, really uh, still very powerful and really worth discussing. Uh, so a lot of good stuff on here. Interview- Great actress too. You know, uh, fantastic uh, actress too. Yeah, yeah, that's, yeah, for sure, for sure. Came out of acting like a like like uh, Lee Volman. You know? Yeah. Um. So yeah, yeah. A lot of great interviews on here. Great 1996 documentary uh, that brings back together all of the uh, all the original. Um, performers from the girls and um there's even uh you know some tell behind the scenes footage that swedish television shot on the uh set of night games which is pretty mm. cool so yeah really really uh, really good set three films from my zetterling um baron the adventures of baron munchausen oh, the terry gilliam film yeah yeah on 4K. 4k yeah 4k yeah 4k Bar- baron munchausen i I wonder how does I mean, look. Uh, I, I love, but but you know, there's a lot of stuff going on in that movie. A lot of makeup, a lot of uh, yeah. special, you know, you know, practical special effects. I, I wonder. I wonder if the 4K. You tell me. Um, is 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 revealing more than we would like? Yes. Yeah. Man. Yes. Crap. Yes. Because because you know Terry Terry always did his his visual effects, um, kind of retail. 
if you know what I mean. Like, <laughs> yeah. like, like yeah. we we watch when you watch Time Bandits today, it's still really awe inspiring. When you watch Brazil, it's awe inspiring how he did those visual effects in a pre CG era. But if you know what's going on, for example, when um, if you know that that Jonathan Price in Brazil when he's fighting the giant samurai turn the podcast off right now if you don't want this spoiled for you <laughs> if, if you if you know that the close-ups are jonathan price waving a sword wearing armor and that the long shots are a little person in armor that he's playing games with you right that he's these he's staging that with a little person to change the perspective well then you pay attention to it and you go oh that's a little person <laughs> I mean, uh, the, and it's immediately obvious. Um, so, you know, he, he a lot of he, he he didn't really he wasn't forward thinking in terms of I'm going to do some visual effects that will stand the test of time. And yes, it does. But that said, I still think that as crazy and as much of a failure as this movie was, it is a fascinating film and a fascinating failure. And um, I like watching it in 4K. I think it's mm. uh, I think it's I think it's it's beautiful when it's beautiful, even if it's crazy and and nonsensical when it's crazy and nonsensical i rather enjoyed it at the time i i yeah look i had forgotten that um um uh, the wonderful uh, she's a little girl at the time sarah polly yeah who of course now is uh yeah, you know is gonna uh, get an oscar uh, nomination for director you know, women talking and whatnot i forgot that she was the little girl in this movie and and you know and uh and, and so many so many folks there eric idol and jonathan price and uh, and uh, so, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, Robin Williams, of course, running around the movie and staying. I'd forgotten how many people just saw walking around this movie. They come in, they do whatever they do <laughs> and they're gone. Yeah. yeah, it's true. It's true. Terry Gilliam once said, uh, I made Baron Munchausen for my daughter. Yeah. And I think this film was like 50 million dollars at the time or some outrageous amount. Yeah, Terry was, remember, was was notorious for going way over budget. Yeah, <laughs> yeah dear, that, that was his. Yeah, point. yeah. Uh, Todd Haynes, Velvet Underground from uh, 2021, just a few years ago. Todd Haynes uh, decided to uh, give us a look at the underground 1960s scene uh, in New York, which has you know been plumbed by a few films, but not quite like this. Got a mm. lot of performances. I don't think anybody's ever seen before. You know, you get getting all Lou Reed and Andy Warhol and the whole thing. I mean, it's a it's a it's a it's a scene. He really takes you into the middle of it. Um, I don't know that I came out a better person for having seen this, but I certainly came out a more informed person. Mm. And uh, I like I like seeing, you know, like there are people who show up here. Jonas Meckes, who who we met at Alaska evening one year. And yeah. Lot, it's, a, it's, a, it's a it's a history it's a history yeah. and of course it connects back to his film you know in a certain sort of way a velvet gold mine way yeah. back in the 90s and and you can probably even work your way through i'm not there it's a it's obviously thematically a thing that he's yes. into and um for you know a good chunk of his life uh and then lastly from the criterion angle of things imitation of life the oh, uh yeah. the the uh fantastic uh Beautiful John M. Stahl original imitation of life, not the, the 34 film, not the not, uh, not the yeah. This is this film. is the yeah. This is the 34 film that inspired the other one, and in many respects, I feel like this is better. This is Claudette Colbert and Louise Beavers, and um, deeply, deeply moving in hindsight. I, I've got to say, John Stahl was not a um, one of the great directors of the 30s that I kind of, you know, uh, centered my life on. But really, it is 
it is an amazing look at motherhood. If you, if, if you sort of, I mean, most people know the Cirque film. That's the one yeah. that they really focus on, which yeah. is a beautiful film and very much of its moment and had a lot to say about that point in time. But for 1934, that's what I keep coming back to. I'm like, wow, that is, this is an unusual, I mean, I, I can see that this is a movie that kind of grows out of the depression in many respects, mm. but it feels bigger than that. I don't know about your thoughts. Oh, man, I mean, the, the Freddie Washington, of course, who who plays the, you know, the, 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 the fair skinned, uh, a green eyed uh, daughter, but daughter of, of, of Louise. Beaver. But yet, uh, you, know, you know, people, she was so, people thought she was white. She wasn't. Freddie was African American. She was actually yeah. African American. People thought that a white woman was playing that part. No, Freddie was an extremely fair skinned, green eyed, um, uh, African American woman and, and, and perfectly appropriate for the, for the part. Um, um, you know, unlike the 1959 movie. Um, yeah. No, I think this is the, and, and because because it's 1934. 1934 is five years before my dad was born. Yeah. Uh, because it's 1934, it resonates in a, in a completely different way because that was a completely different time. Uh, by the time you get to the 1959 movie, where we are post uh, row, not row, um, uh, uh, Brown uh, yeah, versus, versus the board. education. Mm-hmm. Uh, so the politics in the nation are all different. This is 1934. The, the, you know, the, uh, the politics uh, are not different uh, at all. Uh, so, no. yeah, in, in that way, it's a, it's a completely different sort of film set in a completely it, different time. And it's worth pointing out this is based on a novel, which was ahead of its time as well. Yeah. I mean, a best-selling novel. So, I mean, they, there are a lot of really interesting contradictions about uh, the culture at that point in time. Uh, the extras on here are few, but really, really interesting. There's a new introduction from uh, Imogen Sarah Smith, uh, who, who's a contributor to a, a John M. Stahl uh, book. There is a new interview with Miriam Petty, who wrote Stealing the Show, African-American Performers uh, and Audiences in 1930s Hollywood. Very mm. specific. She talks mm. about mm. Freddie Washington and Louise Beavers and, and you know what they meant at the time. And what I think is fascinating, there's a separate trailer on here. Because audiences were segregated at that time, mm-hmm. although you wouldn't know it by watching Babylon, the new Chazelle yeah. film. Oh, man, doesn't, oh, man. Doesn't seem to remember that. Yeah, yeah. But audiences were segregated, so they, they cut a completely separate trailer for black audiences. Hmm. And it's really, really interesting. It's, it's, it, it gives you a, a glimpse into 1930s marketing and everything that they were doing right and wrong. And um, it's it's quite interesting to see how they uh, how they elected to market it. But, uh, you know, also want to point out that when this was made, this was produced by Carl Lemley, the founder of Universal. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And uh, and good on him for getting behind this. Carl Lemley was the first great studio mogul to die. He died soon thereafter, didn't make it into the 1950s like the rest of them. Mm. But uh, very forward thinking man and good for him. Mm. That studio chain still working its way out into the world. I'd forgotten that that, that Alan Hale, uh, the skipper, yeah, uh, is, is in this is in, is in this movie very young. Oh, that's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, this Hill. is this is Alan Hale Senior. This is that's his. Oh, dad. this is Alan Hale Senior. This is Alan, this is his dad. That's his dad. Oh, yeah, because yeah, I would dad. be Junior. Yeah, of course. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, no, that's Alan Hale Senior. They were. I mean, they're spitting spitting image of each other. They they could be twins. No, Alan Hale Senior, if you remember, was uh, was Friar Tuck in the Adventures of Robin. Oh, yes, of oh, yes, yes, yes. Yeah, oh, man. yeah. Well, let, let's go to 4K uh, straight off the off the bat, because I am a Jackie Chan fanatic. I'm just going to tell you the 4K, um, the the uh, 4K of Dragons Forever uh, is amazing, is absolutely wonderful. I am so grateful for this. I love this movie. Every previous DVD or Blu-ray that I have has is just it's, it has not been great. Man, they this is just absolutely spectacular. Uh, cannot be happier 
with how this turned out. Uh, 4K of, uh, and it comes with a booklet, a really great booklet as well. But Dragons Forever is just a, a great Three Brothers film. Yeah. If you don't know, the Three Brothers, it's, it's Jackie Chan and uh, Sammo Hung and uh and their their uh childhood um uh buddy from from school yunbu and then there's also you know yunwa who was also at the school with them who plays one of the bad guys he's got eats like always puffing on a cigar in this thing <laughs> there are so, there are some of the great fight scenes of all time in any Jackie Chan movie in this it is epic and wonderful and uh this is just it, it, you you just i mean dragons forever is a true true classic uh, Cherry Chung is in this. She's just gorgeous. I love it. This is one of the great Hong Kong New Wave uh, favorites, and uh, it comes loaded with extras in this thing. Um, it's got uh, you know an international cut. Uh, I mean, just just it doesn't really matter. The fight scenes are all the same. Don't worry about all the different cuts. That's for nerds like me to deal with. But yeah, it looks absolutely terrific. Tons and tons and tons of uh, interviews and you know behind the scenes stuff and everything that you could ever want. If you're a Hong Kong movie nut like I am, Dragons Forever on 4K is a dream come true. Um, Tim, Black Adam. Yeah. Wow. Um, uh, we, 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 we had, we had this conversation, uh, uh, you, you, and you, I think it was you, me, maybe, maybe, maybe Ray. Yeah. Uh, because Black Adam, everybody, Black Adam comes out. Everybody hates Black Adam. Everybody says it. Yeah. Well, you're, and then I looked at the numbers and it looked like Black Adam was kind of doing okay. Uh, the reviews are, are, are notoriously bad. The question that came down to, and I watched it, I finally got around to watching it. It I really is not a good movie. It's, it's not a good movie at all. And, 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 and in a bunch of different ways, particularly narratively, but it's also visually a very yeah. unattractive film. Very yes. unattractive film. Uh, and I'm interested to see what it looks like in 4K because, you know, I didn't see it uh, um, uh, there. And so the question became, um, uh, is this, is this a, a, a hit or a miss for Dwayne? Um, and, and I don't know, the numbers are still vexing to me because it still looks like it's making money to me if, when I look at the numbers like, like right now. I'm looking at the numbers. Um, and, 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 you know, and, and, and I'm thinking if a studio, you know, makes this much money back and it's not like big numbers uh, uh, in terms of some of the other uh, 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 big, big films, but it's still, yeah. it's making money. It's making money. Yeah. But it still exists in the, in, in, in the world and the perception of the world as a flop. And it's also literally not a good movie. I think this was such a misguided attempt to try and reboot a new DC trajectory, um, independent of the Snyder verse. Mm. And they try to start it up with the, the, uh, the Justice Society, we're going to, you know, the Justice League is tainted. So let's now try the Justice Society and let's put Dwayne Johnson in the middle because he's a big star. Well, if you're going to put Dwayne Johnson in the middle of a movie, let him be Dwayne Johnson. Mm. He doesn't really get to be Dwayne Johnson here. No. I mean, I mean, Black Adam, I don't even know, is is that popular or great of a character? I mean, it, it yes, it connects to Shazam and Shazam was, but it doesn't have Shazam's wit. Um, and then you got Pierce Brosnan kind of miscast and you got a couple of young stars in here who are a little bit miscast and Hawkman. Do we really want to go Hawkman? Cause Hawkman didn't even really survive past like the first half season of the, of the TV show. Yeah. Uh, yeah right. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, um, I, it, it, and, and it just, it seems to it fall in fall prey to that idea that, that lots of action scenes in are a substitute for plot. Um, Problem exactly. and CG and CG. Yeah. Uh, anyway, there's not going to be another one. We know that now because Walter Hamada got canned and there's a whole new new oh, team man. over at DC. But anyway, there's Black Adam. Uh, what else we got here on 4K? Halloween ends. Did you see Halloween ends? 
I did. I did. I did. Um, is it really uh, going to end? Yeah. You, you know, look, the, I, I, the, Halloween has been ending for quite a while now. <laughs> and, uh, and, and, and as much as I am a big, big fan of Jamie Lee, who's probably hopefully going to get nominated uh, for Best Supporting Actress for a, a really fun performance and everything everywhere yeah. all at once, as much as I love Jamie, uh, uh, this movie has, this series of movies has really milked it. Um, and the, in this, in this last series of the series, which I, I think are all David Gordon Green, if I'm not mistaken, right? Yeah. Um, has, have really been irritating to me. And, and this is what's irritating about this last, this one and, and, and the last two or three is that they, 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 they seem to, to want to attempt to explain it all. And the explanation that they have for it, the reason for Michael Myers and this family and what is it, all these 40 years of, 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 of mayhem is, is, is us, we, the people, because we here uh, on Earth, Americans or whoever, are, are such bad people because we har- harbor stuff, such war and this and there, that we are the thing that keeps reanimating Michael Myers. And you know what, uh, David Gordon Green, you can kiss my ass. All right. <laughs> That's bullshit. Don't, don't blame this crap on me. No, it's 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 a move. Michael Myers is just some evil thing. It's it, it. He almost exists in the context of that cosmic horror. He he is because he is because he is because he is, and you can kill him whenever you want to kill him. And and frankly, it's really sort of silly. And and I think at this point, in in, in and I wouldn't have thought this over the last you know all of my career. At this point, it's really kind of insulting. It's insulting. Yeah. Michael Michael Myers exists because you guys can keep making money from making these movies. And that's what's going on here. And that's the yeah. only thing that's going on. Yeah. And don't yeah. try to make it and don't try to make it some sort of existential societal uh, reflection on bullshit. Jungian blah. No, no. And no. Uh, just just kill the guy and let the movie die. I uh, what I love about the Halloween franchise is that uh, William Shatner got to anchor yet another franchise without ever showing up in any of the movies. I just hope he gets a, a royalty, man. I hope that, he that, has, that, gets a piece that of that mask, melted, that melted mask. Yeah. Uh, deleted and extended scenes on here. And uh, that is that um, invaders from Mars. Which one? This is the uh, the uh, classic 1953 Invaders from Mars. Ah, yes, yes. From uh, this is out on 4K from uh, Ignite Films. Features a restored version of the film from the George Eastman Museum. And uh, you know what? It's one of those sci-fi Cold War analogies uh, um, uh, that just still works. I guess I always loved it. I still do. The colors just pop off the screen that they do like yeah. like movies from no other era that those those early color films whatever stock they were using back then 1953 it was just you know coming out of a black and white few couple of black and white decades and it, they just they they had saturated stocks oh, yeah. and it was really really great uh but yeah you know what i mean it's it's uh it's got all of that uh, that post world war ii early atomic age paranoia and all that stuff that that we you know it's a, it's just a wonderful kind of cold war allegory um, in the same vein as things like Invasion of Body Snatchers and Day the Earth Stood Still and all those other great sci-fi movies from that moment. Um, and, you know, there's a there's a ton of really, really terrific stuff on uh, on the extras. This was uh, directed by and uh, oh. uh, production designed by William Cameron Menzies, we should point out, one of the great all-time designers in the history of Hollywood. So it has this amazing look to it. And uh, the design is just fantastic. My favorite thing here on the extras is this uh, featurette that features um, uh, Mark Goldblatt, the editor, along with John Landis and Joe Dante. 
mm. and uh, Robert Skotak, the uh, the um, uh, uh, special effects guy, um, all of whom have these really interesting perspectives on the film. It's really, really interesting. Mm. And then there's uh, John Sayles' introduction on here and just tons of other great vintage materials really really great and and the 4k is fabulous it's it's perfect it looks it's never looked more beautiful never looked more beautiful it's groundhog day in that stack yep right here oh Got the, uh, it's a uh, 30 year uh, anniversary 30 year we're into the 30 93 yeah. so this would be the 30 year anniversary of it but this is not the, this is, is this a 30 year anniversary release yes it is it is oh, the, wow. it is a it is an anniversary uh tin it is a steel book and um, you know what? I, I I mean, Bill Murray's been taking a lot of heat lately. I'm not yeah. doing any of that stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Bill Murray is Bill Murray. He's, you know, he's a perfectionist and he's pissed off a lot of people. But um, it, Harold Ramis, I miss Harold Ramis. Oh, wow. I miss, yeah. I miss, Ramis had a, he was an auteur and we didn't realize he was an auteur. He was, you know, Multiplicity is a movie that doesn't get enough credit. I love mm-hmm. Multiplicity. I think mm-hmm. that's just a fun film. Oh, and the Ice w- Storm, when he decided to do a dark, uh, a darkly uh, comedic uh, the Ice Storm with Billy yeah. Bob, Ooh, that's yeah. Harold. And he's in that movie too. And he's in, it's, it might be close to his last movie, but it's wicked. I'll tell you, I just, I miss him. I, this screenplay, which he yeah, wrote with Danny Rubin. Maybe, something like that. Yeah. yeah, yeah, I think, yeah. The, he wrote this screenplay with Danny Rubin, and it's such a smart movie. It's been imitated so much three times in the last couple of years. Mm-hmm. We've had, you know, knockoffs of, of, of this. I mean, even the, uh, the, the Tom Cruise film um, with uh, Emily Blunt, the title of which is Escaping Me Right Now, is basically... Oh, uh, yeah, uh, Living... Oh, yeah. Edge of Tomorrow. Edge, edge of, of tomorrow. tomorrow. Even that is basically Groundhog Day. It's a yeah. big sci-fi Groundhog Day. You know, it was it was revolutionary. And and God bless them. They've got the the commentary. The Harold Ramis commentary just makes you miss him all the much more because you hear him talk about this. And it's just such a smart, agile filmmaker. It's got deleted scenes. Uh, they've got a an actual thing on real life marmots uh, and groundhogs. <laughs> and I don't know that I needed that. But whatever, uh, that's fine. And uh, there's even a, a, it's gimmicky, but it's cute. Uh, Needle Nose Ned's picture-in-picture track. It's a little gimmicky thing, but, you know, Ned, Ned, Ryan. It's, it's uh, <laughs> yeah. So anyway, uh, and then you got uh, the Weight of Time documentary on here, which is which is nice, too. And it's a steel book. It's pretty great. So Groundhog Day, love the movie, still holds up. Tim, House of the Dragon, you've been watching House of the Dragon? Uh, yeah, I ran through it real quick. Um, uh, it's, 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 uh, at the same time, the other one was out, the Lord of the Rings, uh, yeah. what a, you know, you know uh, thing. Uh, so I figured, let me, let me see what's going on with these, uh, with these things. House of the Dragon is better. Um, it's more consistent. Um, I, I'm not a, a big, big, big Game of Thrones fan in the first place, right? Yeah. I mean, just that I just never was. Watched some Game of Thrones, most of it. Uh, I think I, I think I eventually actually saw all of it, and, but you know, I didn't, I didn't live in it the way a whole bunch of other folks were. Yeah. Uh, and, and this, of course, is said what? Uh, some many hundreds of years. 200 so years earlier. Early. Game of Thrones time is like about, you know, 14 seconds. <laughs> and, and, uh, and, 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 you know, it's more consistent than the other one episode to episode some yeah. really good performances that 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 prequel thing bugs me a little yeah. uh because i'm like i know how it ends <laughs> i agree i know how it ends i know how it ends uh so you know uh, but that, i don't know i guess people are digging it 
Well, uh, this is the first season. It uh, comes in both a regular edition and a limited edition collectible steel book uh, for people who care. The steel book is more narrow. It'll fit on your, your shelf if it's getting bloated. Uh, the other is in a regular keep case, which is just a little wider. But HBO uh, continues to go to the well with this stuff. Uh, we got another steel book here, which is an anniversary edition Best Buy exclusive of Highlander. Ooh. Uh, yeah, you know, I uh, I was I love that first Highlander film, man. I just love that movie. I was I was in France when this thing got uh, got released, and you know, Christophe Lambert, huge star at the time. Mm. It was the year that he also did Subway, the Luc Besson film, and he won Best mm. Actor for it. And man, did this movie just it was lines around the block. I it was unbelievable. Um, you know, the TV Highlander, not so much, but mm. but boy, this first film, uh, notwithstanding the sequels, this first film, Russell Mulcahy, who's coming out of a music direct music video directing career, you know, did a lot just of the just, soundtrack of this film, just <laughs> the soundtrack, did a lot of splashy music videos. And he was the first music video director, along with Steve Barron, to kind of come out. Steve Barron and Russell Mulcahy were the guys. They had done mm-hmm. everything. And uh, Mulcahy, he really, really lit it up with this. And then his career went nowhere after that. I, I don't know what happened. But, well, a lot um, more of these. <laughs> yeah. But uh, still, you know, I mean, in the, the Immortals and Connery is great and Lambert is great. And uh, I, I, it chills me that they're talking about doing a remake of this thing because I just I don't know. Yeah, there can be only one. It's literally, it's literally, <laughs> it's right. literally in the why, why they should pay attention. Oh, well. <laughs> Touche. Uh, and then the last 4K that we've got here isn't really worth talking about. Uh, we're going to make mention <laughs> of it anyway. It's Pray for the Devil, P R E Y. Get it? It's a word play, it's a pun. Pray for the Devil. Ha, uh, ha, ha, ha. <gasps> Uh, yeah, this is just kind of a cheesy, uh, exorcisty knockoff uh, with the novelty of, oh, you have a nun who wants to be the first female exorcist. Um, OK, I, I guess um, yeah, that if you want. I, I didn't know there was a rule against it, sweetie. I, yeah, <laughs> I mean, knock, you know, knock yourself off. I uh, anyway, uh, apart from that, it's just pretty standard issue. Uh, it, it's moody. It's it's a little, you know, scary and whatnot. Yeah. I mean, it's it's, you know, all the horror films today are very polished. Yeah. Uh, unlike, you know, 50 years ago when everything was just dirty and nasty and, and cheesy and barely getting by. And it looked like they bought their film stock the day before. Uh, everything now is 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 very polished and high tech and great effects and tense and whatnot. So, I mean, it's got all that going for it. I just I don't know. Cast. It's got, you know. It's got Virginia yeah. Madsen and it's got, a, you know, a, a yeah. ben, ben Cross walking around it. You know, uh, they can act. Yeah. So, I mean, it's. I guess it's fine. Um, Tim, some some docs that you said you're looking at. Uh, oh, yeah. Uh, let me let me pop over. For one thing, I see amongst that stack, Hallelujah, Leonard Cohen, A Journey, A Song, which, of course, is a feature length documentary that, that explores. But, yeah, it, it's about Leonard Cohen. But it's yeah. about it's, it's it, but it's about him during the time when which took decades uh, to write that song. Yeah. Uh, and 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 the many 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 more verses of that song than uh, than we generally speaking here there there are, there are many verses of that song and, and and he sang different verses at different times in different places and recorded it with different verses um um uh and it's you know it's 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 a sort of an iconic uh uh song it's a um uh an it's an anthem it's a uh, a um and an anthem. I suppose it's become an anthem. Uh, it has, it years, has. right? Look, it's there's a version of it that uh, that closes uh, Zack Snyder's Justice League. It's a tribute to his daughter. 
Mm, yeah. You know, it shows up in that way in so many, so many films uh, and, and, and situations. So, yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Anything, anything other than the movie with that? Uh, movie? You know, not not uh, excessively. Uh, it's it, it not really. It's it's pretty much just the movie. Mm. Um, but but you know, it's a good it's a good film. Um, we got another doc here called Free Puppies from uh, First Run Features, which is really really sweet. Is it an important documentary? Uh, you know, not really. Uh, it's just <laughs> it's a, it's but it's about dogs. And and look, there's there are enough cats on YouTube. So let go of the cats for a second and uh, and come and check out this um, this this movie shot in Georgia where you got a bunch of women who have um, kind of pulled together to, uh, you know, make it make it make it. There's no animal shelter thereby. Uh, So they they're they're going to try to, you know, create a create a better situation for dogs in this particular area in Dade County. And um, it's a really, really sweet, wonderful. I mean, look, forget forget about what they're doing. It's got dogs. It's got cute dogs. Tons of cute dogs. That's what you're watching it for. Free puppies. Uh, it's 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 beautiful. It's really, really beautiful. Mm. <laughs> uh, Oliver Stone also made JFK Revisited. Mm. Uh, did this is this is um, hasn't probably gotten enough attention. I don't think because Oliver Stone can't let the whole JFK thing go. Yeah. Forget about the JFK movie movie. Uh, this is a, this is, um, a a mini series and a feature length film. The film is JFK revisited through the looking glass. Mm -hmm. And then the mini series is JFK destiny betrayed. And Mm -hmm. it goes all into much, much more intense detail than the film obviously ever could. And, uh, there's a great audio commentary on here with stone and, uh, James D. Eugenio, and uh, it's it's uh, it, it, this is all really intense. Whoopi Goldberg and Donald Sutherland narrate the film. Mm. Um, the, but the miniseries goes into even greater detail. CIA, Pentagon stuff, uh, you know, all of the I mean, you know, the JFK papers still aren't out, Tim. That's the yeah. problem. Yeah. Why? Yeah. Why? What? What? What do you think is in there? <laughs> And and, and, and and there was a, a date specific. Well, good question. But, but the, and there was a date specific after which. Uh, and, I, and, and if I'm not, you know, X number of years, I'm saying, you know, after yeah. X number of years, he's been, they keep extending not, it. They keep extending it. And they keep extending it. Yeah. yeah. And that's in there. And that's where I'm you know, waiting. I'm like, who, who's left to die? Who's left to die from 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 well, who, like, who's left? Who's left to die? The entirety of the CIA. Well, yeah, I, I guess, but, but, <laughs> I mean, but, but, but the actual, I, I mean, really, is anybody left from the, um, from the, from the Warren, from the Warren no, commission? All no. did, right? All did. Spe- I think Alex, they're all Spectre, dead. All, yeah, all was did. the last one, yeah. I, I, you know, I just can't think of anybody left literally from that era uh, who was, you know, active and adult, you know, engaged in the business of what was going on then, who's not dead. So I yeah. just can't I can't I can't imagine why why you would keep extending it. Just no, I, I don't know. It's a it's a it's a mystery. But, you know, the people people are increasingly look, Jackie always thought that um, that LBJ was behind it. Now, that's quite a thing when the first lady thinks that the vice president is plotting to kill your husband like that's Man. banana republic stuff. Man. Now, you know, uh, and then, of course, everything that we also know about um, pretty much most of the assassinations from that period, uh, they all have 
I mean, they're all political assassinations, but they all have big questions to them. You know, with JFK, it's obviously not to rehash it all, but right. You know, Jack Ruby is what throws that whole thing into disarray. Yeah, the, like, the okay, Jack, Jack killing, killing, uh, killing, killing on TV the next day or, and, or, or, or the whatever fact, day. Yeah. Yeah. And the fact that Lee Harvey, Lee Harvey Oswald had, you know, traveled so extensively and. And then, you know, it, 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 when you go to we just had Martin Luther King Day, when you go to Martin Luther King's assassination, you know, James Earl Ray and you think, oh, he's just, you know, a redneck racist, uh, good old boy who had two passports mm-hmm. in. Other, you know what I mean? Like suddenly there are all of these other oh. these other things that make you think, OK, maybe there's a lot. Maybe a lot of these guys are just stooges and they're being they're being. You know, well, they did that. Guy. They did that, and I know, and I know, we're falling away from the actual movie we're yeah. talking about. But they did that whole uh, mock trial or, or, or mock investigation of J- the James Earl uh, Ray, you know, killing yeah. of MLK, and, and it was it was done on PBS, uh, and it was. Do uh, uh, you remember this was maybe the maybe the eighties, maybe Vaguely. the nineties, something like that, like that. And they came to the conclusion that that, that, that he he unequivocally, absolutely, certainly did not alone. No. Kill uh, no MLK way. in this in this and I forget who all the heavy hitters were, but you know it was former this and former yeah. that and all the uh, and, uh, and so you know and 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 then we had so so yeah there you go it's uh, yeah no um, Stone to get us back to what we're actually talking yeah. about uh, it has has not let it go um, um, uh, and I think that's that's perfectly appropriate because there there the questions that still need to still be questions answered. yeah. Uh, Paul T- Paul Taylor, Creative Domain. This is also from First Run Features. Kate Geis uh, made a wonderful, wonderful documentary uh, that is uh, a look into the creative process and the the everything uh, about one of the great uh, choreographers of all time. Yeah. Um, yeah, and it's and it's really uh it's really a wonderful look at just what you know choreography is all about uh what dance is all about we've had a lot of documentaries about choreographers and dance but they're all different because they all approach it differently and uh you know taylor's been at this for generations 50, i mean over 50 years over 50 years yeah. close to 60 years and yeah. uh maybe even over 60 years and and you know it's a it's a it's just you know he he's he's probably not as well known as some others but he's definitely as uh, more than influential enough and uh it's wonderful. And, you know, dancing is just a visual, a visual medium to begin with. So it makes for a really terrific movie. Yeah. Yeah. We had to talk about Nina called Nina, uh, that sort of wicked 3D thing. Yes. Couple, maybe five, six years ago. Yeah. That was the Vim Vendors. Yeah. The Vim Vendors thing. Yeah. Great. And there was a great one uh, oh, oh, about the, um, oh, oh, the black choreographer. Uh, uh, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, 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 you know, um, it was just just a year or two ago. That one. Yes. Uh, yes. Yes. It'll, it, pop, it'll pop in my head. But yeah, yeah. it will. Anyway, yeah. Great docs. Uh, the story of film, a new generation, Mark Cousins, who previously did a film, the story of film, which is really uh, pretty vain, but it's still interesting. Um, what yeah. Cousins does, what Cousins does is basically he has like these really elaborate theories about how films sort of represent a socio uh, political tapestry of our times and all these connecting themes and interconnecting concepts. And he takes you through this collage of his, his stream of consciousness and all the movies that get folded into it. And sometimes it makes sense. And sometimes it makes absolutely no sense whatsoever. Sometimes he's, you know, making connections that are profound and sometimes he's just grasping at straws. And so, you know, you, you sit there in this case, I mean, and, and I covered this on film week. I mean, it's a long movie. It's, you know, close to three hours long, about two hours, 45 minutes and 97 films. He like puts there are clips of 97 films in 167 minutes. 
Mm. So do do the math. You're you're pretty much close to like every like there's a new movie being clipped every 90 seconds about. I mean, it's really this very elaborate thing. And yeah, sometimes it's a little bit crazy, but it's a it's his journey. So you're going on. He's not saying this is true. This is just his opinion. So you go on this amazing journey mm. and, you know, you're connecting everything from Black Panther to, to gravity to, to Moonlight, and Mad Max, Fury Road. And he's all over the map. It's, so, it's, he's, he's very comprehensive. I'll give him that. I don't. I don't. I don't. Frozen much, even gets folded in here. Yeah. <laughs> into it. I don't much yeah, cotton to his his take on these things, except for when he does this in these series of films. Sometimes he will. He he will. He will find the actual connective thread, the through lines. Yeah. Um. Through images, even right. So images. Uh. And 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 then he'll say. Yeah. Uh, he'll 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 take you from the images that he knows that a filmmaker experienced, and then show you how that filmmaker then use those images in his film and yeah. then how that the next and 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 how and how they juxtapose them and he can just walk you right through it and those moments i really really enjoy because you can actually see the hard connections you know you know scorsese loved michael powell yeah. michael powell did this scorsese made a movie he did this this is not unlike the thing that michael powell did in those movies that scorsese you know what i mean and right. and, and you just and, and just walk through decades worth of filmmakers and there's a reason why uh, 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 the Palma movies look like Hitchcock movies. <laughs> it's true. It's, <laughs> it's, it, it, it's uh, very, very true. Yeah. yeah. No, I'm with you. I'm with you. It's a little, uh, I'm a little mixed, but yeah. 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 Uh, A&E's uh, Origins of Hip Hop documentary series, uh, eight episodes is out and uh, it's perfectly fine. I don't know if it's as, you know, comprehensive as, uh, as it probably could or should have been. For eight episodes, but yeah, I mean, it hits some interesting figures. It's it's not the end all be all, but I mean, no. you know, it's no, 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 no. It's not even close. Actually, it's, it's you know, I'm not going to uh, get ridiculous about it, but but it this this uh, this needs to be much deeper. I look at the the list of folks here. I don't even see, um, uh, you know, I don't see I don't see some of the most important cats. Um, both, both because a lot of what they're doing here is about cats who are on the mic, and a lot of hip hop yeah. is about cats who yeah. are on the turntable, or, or cats who yeah. are you know, the hype men. Uh, the you know not not necessarily, uh, and and a lot of those cats are not here. Um, and um, so you know, um, uh, I appreciate it, but this this just does not go nearly as deep as it needs it, to go. It as kind as of it focuses concerned. a little too much on the eighties, for my taste. Yeah. Oh yeah. yeah, and you got to go back. You got to go back to seventy one, seventy two, man. Yeah. I mean, where's yeah. Grandmaster Flash? <laughs> you yeah. you know, yeah, 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 and 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 cats. Anyway, I'll 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 yeah. I'll, I'll, I'll fly off the the forehead. Uh, Moonage Daydream. Is that going to get an Oscar? And, he, and Grandmaster Flash is in the film, but the connections are not made. No, no, anyway, no. Go, it's go not ahead. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I was going to say Moonage Daydream. Is this going to get an Oscar nomination? Uh, I, well, yeah, the Bowie, the Bowie, yeah. uh, you know, I don't know, Brett Morgan's film. I deeply appreciated it and, 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 and everything. But no, I don't think it's going to get an Oscar nomination. It's, 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 it doesn't make my cut. Yeah, it doesn't make mine either. I enjoy it. Uh, I'm not a huge Bowie nut, you know, I uh, but I, I thought it was perfectly fine. Uh, it, I, I feel like something more than it's like it's a little too fawning. It's a little too in love with Bowie and it doesn't really get to the meat of who he was. And, and uh, I think it's a little superficial, but it's visually really, really pretty amazing. So, yeah, um, as a tribute, yes, as a dissection, I would say no. Um, <clears throat> really quickly, I, I just want my my Bowie story. Yeah. is uh, when I was an usher at the Man's National Theater, first year in college, um, 
we we showed uh, Greystoke, and it was we were the only theater in Los Angeles showing it. Beautiful platform, packed mm-hmm. house every weekend. It was just nonstop. And uh, so one one weekend, there's a uh, there's a call that comes in from from headquarters. Uh, we have somebody who's going to be showing up. Uh, they would like you to reserve two seats in the back. They'll be showing up once the lights go down. Please reserve those seats so that they can be escorted into them. <laughs> oh, all right. Okay, very good. Who Do we know who? And one of the assistants, one of the assistant managers f- knew who and somehow caught wind and figured it out. She was losing her mind because she's a huge David Bowie fan. It was Bowie yeah. and Mon. Yeah. And and uh, sure enough, I, you know, I'm sweeping up popcorn on the stairs like the movie's already started. And I look up. Sure enough, Bowie and the Mon walk right past me shoop, up the stairs into the end of the theater. I'm like, oh, that's interesting. And then when the movie finishes, I'm opening the doors outside. Movie has barely started finishing. They come up, roll like a, 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 a limo pulls up. They run right out of the theater into the thing. And then it's like one, 1,000, two, 1,000, three, 1,000. Ah! It's like a Beatles crowd <laughs> of people. Like you couldn't, you couldn't even get into the theater in the dark without people. I was always in the theater and it will get ripples through the theater, like wildfire, you know? And uh. next thing you know, there's a bunch of screaming people, boys and girls all going nuts. Chasing that limo down the street in Westwood Boulevard. 1984. Let's see. Bowie. That would have been the that would have been Bowie and uh, Bowie in that red suit. Uh, uh, yeah. Right. That's that Bowie. Right. That's the yeah. Bowie that Bowie. That's it was post Ziggy. Post Ziggy. Uh, yeah. No, it was yeah. it was it was Bowie in the in the in the fabulous suit. Yeah. 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 China okay. girl. China girl era. Bowie. China girl Bowie. That Bowie. Yeah. Okay, yeah. Cool. Cool. Uh, last couple of documentaries here. Say Amen Somebody from oh, the yeah. Milestone Cinematheque. Uh, collection is a and this is just a wonderful doc. This was Oscar nominated, I believe. Um, uh, yeah, back in eighty two. Yeah, yeah. I, I'm almost, I'm almost certain it was. Yeah, yeah. Just an absolutely beautiful movie. Still, totally just works. It. This is just you know, um, a, a wonderful, wonderful tribute to to you know gospel and uh, everything that it represents in American culture. Uh, mm. This this transcendent form of American expression and singing. Uh, the way that it ties music to the church, to to every every culture, but I I just think it's a beautiful beautiful film. I, along 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 with jazz, yep. Uh, one of the one of one of the the three original uh, American you know, you know, music forms, uh, yeah. You know, jazz, jazz, rock and roll, and gospel. Yeah. Uh, you know, you, we we actual Americans did that. Yep. Uh, and uh, and uh, so you know, it's just um, yeah, a, a beautiful film. And, and all these people, when I was a kid. People knew who, you know, Thomas A. Dorsey was. Yeah. You know, uh, you could actually could hear him on the radio uh, if you listen to gospel stations and stuff like that. Um, and, and Jackie Jackson and, and Bertha Smith and all of these folks. But, you know, they sort of slip off into the, um, uh, you know, into the ether a little bit. Let's uh, let's wrap out with TV, shall we? And then at the end of the show, I'm going to uh, let Tim go and take some time to just roll through the anime. We've had a ton of new anime come in. I'm not going to keep Tim uh, uh, locked up for that. Um, I'm going to lock up all the listeners for that, <laughs> uh, but let's, uh, let's talk about some TV here. Uh, anything you want to start on? Uh, what do we got here? Uh, is any of this stuff new? The staircase limited series. Is that a new thing? Uh, although, you know, if you got that Hogan's heroes, complete series close, I'd love to know what the, uh, special features. And I hope there's yeah, some special let's, features, let's, features on the Hogan's heroes. There, there are. So there are select audio commentaries, which are, which are fine. Um, it you know it's. Who it's, did we just lose? Did we, who, we we lost one of the one of the. Did we just yes, lose Lebeau. Robert, we lost Le- Rob, Lebeau. Yes, Robert, Robert Clary. Clary. 
Robert, uh, Robert, Clary, Robert Clary, Robert Clary, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. who by the, you know, who was Jewish and who has, who, who lost family in the Holocaust. I mean, mm. never really talked about it until later in his career, but yeah, we just lost Robert Clary. Yeah. So we've kind of lost them. Have we lost them all now? Uh, Werner is Werner gone. Werner's been gone for a while. Yeah. Richard Dawson a couple of years ago, Bob Crane and that whole nutty thing that he, that he got Ivan, involved Ivan in. Dixon. We lost Ivan, Ivan Dixon. Dixon. Yeah. A couple of years ago. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. I think they're all gone. Larry Hoyle. Uh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, they're all gone. Oh, well, you know, I mean, great series. Uh, uh, kind of one of those amazing um, 60s shows that fused things together. I mean, and, and, and there are a lot of them that did, did this, you know, that, that said, let's take some dramatic movies and let's figure out a way like um, Bewitched, for example. Bewitched yeah. is a very, very clever combination of of the Jimmy Stewart movie, Bell, Book and Candle mm -hmm. and uh, my wife, the witch, right? It took those two movies and kind of combined them and they mm -hmm. came up with Bewitched. It was mm -hmm. very, very clever and didn't have to pay any royalties because it's not technically based on them. And with with uh, Hogan's Heroes, they said, why don't we take Stalag 17, the Bill mm -hmm. Holden film and The Great Escape? And let's see if we can mash those things together. And sure enough, they made a comedy out of it. And it, it's fantastic. I can watch this show forever. And it's the making it's, it's the making it into a comedy that's really, I mean, mashing them together. And, yeah. and then they and while still there's there was an edge in, 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 in this show. Uh, yeah. You know, they 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 the missions goofy, funny, yes, absolutely. There's missions and all that kind of stuff. And there was always a little. It, it might not work. It might not go. Uh, and and what I had it. not. What I had not realized is, and because they, they've got interviews on here with Richard Dawson and the series co-creator, Al Ruddy. Oh, really? I didn't even realize that. I'm like, really? Al Ruddy? Like Godfather Al Ruddy? <laughs> Before he was the Godfather Al Ruddy? He pretty, I had no idea. That that I know. Good. So, you know, uh, hats off to Al Ruddy. But what a what a just absolutely wonderful um wonderful show you know so many great lines i still this is how i know i'm getting old is i still reference this and only a handful of other parents <laughs> at school will know if i go i know nothing uh, I, I know when the other parents are close to my age start giggling i'm like sweet gen xer thank you thank you oh, yeah. all you millennials have no clue yeah uh what a great show so anyway yes all um all six seasons. I'm surprised it didn't run longer, but ran long compared to, you know, a lot of shows during that period. But yeah, Hogan's yeah. Heroes, Blu-ray, Hogan's Heroes. It's so exciting. I could I'm, I'm going to waste a lot of time over the next few weeks doing that. Yeah. The Staircase. Let's talk about the Staircase, which was uh, an original series for HBO Max. Um, limited series uh, hmm. might have been turned into a longer running series, if not for the upheaval going on over there. Uh, this is on DVD, not Blu-ray. And it is uh, it's all about uh, a, a war veteran uh, named Michael Peterson and his uh, how how it, it gets into. Well, how do I even do I don't want to give this away. Right. There's a the there's a something happens that's tragic and it becomes a legal matter. Let's do that because i don't it, you need to kind of watch it to appreciate yeah. what's happening it, it, um, it's, it's a lot of good performances it's by about some a bunch great of good, performances good, great great actors you got colin tony collette uh, tony collette uh, is fantastic michael spielberg uh, yeah it's just you know um um 
uh, and and Patrick Schwarzenegger, um, yeah. uh, which you know, yeah, you, you give the kid his due, um, although I hate it. Uh, and uh, and uh, you know, so it, that's that's one of the things this has going forward. It's very very sort of moody, and it's, it's a what's going on kind of thing. Yeah, uh, this guy because you know, the veteran needs a crime, needs a crime novelist, and he's accused of killing. And and then we and we have to figure out what happened. Yeah, it, it, I mean, it. I think it would have done better as a longer series than a limited series if they'd have been able to continue it. But it was not meant to be, so it's a yeah. limited series and uh, isn't going to get a second season or anything. Of that yeah. sort. What it should have been is 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 is, is conceived because you, you can tell that it was intended to be a longer series. It should have been conceived as a limited series, and then that way they could have tightened it all up. Yeah, you know, you're right. You're right. And, 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 and aim at a target and go for it. Uh, but it's a little loose and it strings it out because it thought it had more time. Speaking of stringing it out uh, and just like that, a new chapter of Sex in the City, uh, the complete first season. I'm terrified that this is going to get a second season because it's like, <laughs> really I, like why? Why did they do this? Why? Uh, this done? Aren't we done with this? Why? Well, they had why, all the Tim? movies. They had all the movies there and you figure and, and, and you're stringing this thing. Out. Look, I was a big original series Sex in the City fan. Uh, uh, way back, me and Bridge, you know, she loved that show, Sarah Jessica, and you know, all that kind of stuff like that. And then, and then, and then, and one of those movies was actually okay. I kind of tapped out on the series before. I've, and then after that, they just kept stringing along, and then this. And of course, there's the whole problem with you know Chris Noss and everything that went down there with respect to this. Um, uh, and they had to, you know, do what they had to do in order to get his but, <laughs> get his character the hell out of the show. But the, but you're asking the question is why did they make it in the first place? Yes. You know, well, the, the, and the actual answer is this, because women of a certain age uh, um, say no more, you know, and, uh, and, 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 and they will be serviced. They will be serviced. It's, it's one of the reasons why the whole how Stella got her groove back thing is happening again and, with, with all of those women of a certain age again. And why the new movie 80 for Brady exists. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So I just want to say this about Ancient Aliens season 16, season 16 <laughs> of Ancient Aliens. If, if Eric Von Daniken were alive today, he would be a trillionaire. You know that? <gasps> would, I mean, it's just like uh, it's unbelievable. Uh, <clears throat> so so Ancient Aliens season 16, if you think that there is anything in season 16 that you haven't seen in the first 15 seasons, you are why there is a season 16. <laughs> so so. I, I came to this conclusion. I was my my brother-in-law who watches a lot of this, you know, basically watches uh, History Channel uh, all day long. Uh, I was watching some stuff over and, uh, you know, seeing him. He's watching TV History Channel. And, and I'm like, oh, that's really interesting. You know, they're like examining, you know, Mesoamerican uh, sites and whatnot. Said, that's fascinating. Yeah. That's really yeah. interesting. And then like the last 20 minutes of the show. But who built? <laughs> and, and i'm like are you kidding me are you seriously kidding me and, and i realized everything on the history channel it, it basically has the same structure yeah. isn't this isn't this interesting why is this interesting because aliens everything because aliens, like because every aliens. show every show on that it's network is ancient aliens because the one called ancient aliens 
just happens to be called Ancient Aliens, but they're they're all Ancient Aliens. Uh, the most interesting thing about about that show, uh, Ancient Aliens, sixteen seasons of Ancient Aliens. Most interesting thing about it is that never once, not once, is there ever an alien. <laughs> ever, <laughs> ever. Uh, not the, sixteen seasons, they never find one. They never get. They post questions. They, they you, admit, you, you would never. They, but I'm like, really, sixteen seasons? You couldn't. You couldn't find just one. Okay, are you ready? Are you ready for this segue? Oh, go. You know where you do find aliens? Where? Star Trek, Star Trek Prodigy. Season Which four. I love. <laughs> you know, of, of, of the Star Trek, uh, Trek uh, um, um, you know, extensions. The, the, the uh, animated extensions. Uh, upper this is, deck, these are the animated ones. Whatever, but of all, yeah. all, but all of it, of like, this, 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 is, this is the stuff that's most fun. Picard, you know, the, the live act. No. Yeah. Uh, uh, Discovery, hit and miss at best. Uh, this, this, this animated stuff, I'm having a, I'm having a fabulous time. That, this is Lower Decks. Yeah, well, Lower Decks, I couldn't really get with. It felt too, like, it felt like the Simpsonization of, of Star Trek. <laughs> I right? love that. I love you that. know, but, but um, Star Trek Prodigy, okay, I like, I love the original Star Trek animated series, the Filmation yeah. thing. Oh, yeah. I, I totally got down with that. I really enjoy that still. Because uh, it was like an extension of the original series, and oh, yeah. got the, yeah, the all the same you know, characters, all, you know, all the same characters and the voices. A little, little so, bit more high tech equipment, you know. They, this, they can spacewalk in an energy suit. Yeah, I mean, this is th- this is three D animation. Uh, I I feel like it's a little too jokey for me, but at the same time, it feels closer to that original animated series than something like Lower Decks, which is mm-hmm. just you know totally Gonzo comedy. So, uh, yeah, I kind of feel like there's there's something interesting here and they're they're on to it. And maybe they'll do some more interesting things with this than what some of the live action stuff is. Doing. Well, I, I, they do stuff like, you know, we get we get Captain Janeway as yeah. a hologram. <laughs> so right. it's, hol- it's hologram. So you still got your captain. And there's a, and a lot of that sort of pops up. It's and it's, it's very referential. And it's fun that way you get you get Captain Chakotay. Uh, and, uh, you know, all that kind of stuff. So I, tons I, I, of I, I, tons I, of extras on here. 75, my, it, my girl, minutes. Deborah Wilson, is in that show, too. That's that's a big deal to me. Anyway, I'm sorry. Go ahead. Wait. Yeah. Uh, it's 75 minutes of extras. A lot of great stuff. Um, uh, season one of Reacher on 4K. Hmm. Uh, so Jack Reacher is a is a non Tom Cruise character. Uh, hmm. Well cast. Like. Very well cast. Uh, yes. um, uh, by a guy who's actually six foot five. Yeah. Um, and, uh, and, uh, he played, um, he played somebody in Titans. Um, um, uh, first season of Titans. He's, he's more, he's more in line with the way the character was written in the books yeah. Yeah. than Tom Cruise. Yeah. Ever was. Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah. Jack Rich is a big guy in the whole, and in, in all those, I, I've read one or two of those. Uh, it, it, that's the thing that they talk about how in the, Tom Cruise, they tried to get the camera low and shoot up and they would put him on Apple boxes or whatever the hell they were doing to try to make him seem like a bigger guy. But Tom Cruise is not a physically imposing, uh, uh, uh person. Uh, uh, he's just, he's just literally not. And, um, and uh, what I uh, think Alan, is what's his name? Richson, Richson. He is. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I I don't have the name, but yeah, yeah Alan he, Richard, something like that. He's a big guy. He's a big dude. I. What's interesting about this season is that it is this is uh, based on an actual book. They they actually took one of the novels oh. and adapted it across the span of the first season, which I think okay that that that's that's solid because usually you're taking a book and you're saying how do I pare this book down to fit it into a movie. Or you're saying, well, let's base a series on the book, but not really be faithful to the book. Let's just go off and do it. They actually were very, very faithful, and uh, it has a it has a good feel to it. I don't know if they can keep that going for the run of the series, but you know, it's certainly a good try. Yeah. 
Uh, so we got uh, season three of Evil. Interesting. Evil yeah, we talked. We talked about seasons Mike one Coulter. and two. Yeah, yeah. you know, Mike my, 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 my Cole uh, having a really interesting career trajectory. We talked about seasons one and two. I feel like season three is kind of hitting its stride. Um, I, I think this is an interesting show. Didn't that show? Didn't that show move move uh, yeah. networks or something? It was. It, it was. It, it seems like it was ABC. What did it do? It did it, something. It, it moved from uh, CBS to Paramount Plus. I and think. when it got to Paramount Plus, it got darker. Yeah. Uh, because, you know, CBS is CBS. And, and yeah. all these networks have a sort of way that they do things. But over on Paramount, so whatever season it was, yeah. it got to Paramount. It got way edgier and darker, sexier, the whole sort of sexual dynamic thing yeah. between Mike Coulter's character and and, and uh, Katia Herbert's character. She's sexy as hell, by the way. Yeah. Um, uh, uh, and yeah, Asif Mandeev in the show. That whole thing uh, got got uh, sultrier. So that move allowed it to become a more interesting show to me. I agree. I agree. And I don't watch it a lot, but whenever I catch it, it's like, all right, I'm, you know, I'm, I like where this is going. And I like what Coulter's doing with his career. I, I really mm. do. I thought he was yeah. going to be power man for the whole, for, you know, like 10 years. And that uh, turns out that, you know, getting the, uh, getting that series canceled uh, kind of helped him make some more interesting. Choices. Oh, uh, uh, Luke Cage, Luke Cage, Luke Cage yeah. series. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, the complete series of Good Girls, which I missed completely when it was on because there's too. too much television these days. But, uh, you know, I uh, OK, I watched a little bit of this. I, I kind of get where it was coming from. Uh, I had no idea that this I mean, this went through a four year run and I did and, and I blinked and missed it. So um, four years is about right for what this show does. It's uh, it's basically um, four moms trying to make you know a difficult situation uh by you know they resort to a life of crime basically Mm. um it's but it's a little tongue-in-cheek it's got kind of a um, you know thelma louise vibe to it without without the rape and the 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 existential terror Mm -hmm. um and uh, is it? It's not Breaking Bad. It's kind of like a lighter comedicy Breaking Bad with moms is maybe a better way of putting it. But anyway, it's pretty well written. Um, it 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 the comedy is dark, so it's not like hilariously funny. But they find some interesting ins and outs. But four years is about enough to to make this series work. And uh, and then they they tapped out when uh, they couldn't really push the stories anymore and that's good that's where it belongs so good girls the complete series um worth a worth a look if it's your if your thing um let's let's cover players season one and then i got a couple of vintage shows and we'll we'll wrap it out there um players season one um i i this is kind of a not my particular kind of thing. Have you watched any of this, by the way? Yeah, yeah, not my thing either. Uh, this is this is the one about the uh, the kids in the uh, in, in in the the, low, uh, the sports league. Yeah, the, the sports league. The yeah, e-sport, you know, the esports, thing. esports, not, uh, and all yeah. that kind of stuff. And, and you look, I'm not the, I'm not a TikTok person. I don't even have yeah. TikTok. You know, do I, I think that's where they watch each other playing these games. Uh, and, and, and I don't particularly care for this stuff being called a sport <laughs> Which is because you, you, it's not a sport. <laughs> You're sitting there. Uh, and, and I know that it takes some skill to play and win these, these games. I'm not saying that, but it's not a sport. Uh, and, and, you know, and I, and I guess the behind the scenes machinations of all of this, of this world, I know there's a lot of money involved 
in this in, in the re- in this real world and the, all that plays out in this series. And I get, but I just can't, you know, I can't get myself all all jonesed up on it. And uh, so I tapped out. Uh, yeah, I see. You know, um, my friend Greg Whiteley has been doing very well with his Netflix series, uh, Last Chance You, and and all of its various spinoffs, which I think are just terrific. You know, mm-hmm. he gets up there, and he he gets into the, you know the the inner workings of these these the, these sports leagues, and you know, uh, cheerleading and bas- football and basketball. I mean, he's really doing a wonderful job of letting you see what goes into that. And then I look at something like this, and I'm like. I can't really get behind a non-athlete named Cream Cheese who's who's excelling at like video sports. I don't I I don't I feel like that's sort of an insult to real athletes. But yeah. you know, there it is. It's out there. Yeah. Call um, it, it's a game. It's not a sport. It's a game. It's a game. Yeah, it's uh, a but game. Uh, but whatever. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, the complete series on DVD of Andy Richter's Controls the Universe. This was for that minute after uh, uh, Conan was off the air, and Andy Richter had a uh, hadn't went and tried to get a career of his own doing comedy. I actually think this very short-lived sitcom is um, quite funny. Now, this is now twenty years old. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, but I actually think it's very, very funny. And it, it's just it was odd humor that didn't quite uh, quite catch on at the time. I'm afraid, and that's too how bad. many? How many? Uh, Nineteen episodes. Uh, it's, 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 yeah, it's, 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 it's like it's like six hours and fifty-seven minutes worth on three discs. <laughs> it's yeah, like yeah. whatever it is. It's like I forget how many episodes. Uh, but it, yeah. And there were and there are five episodes on here that were never actually shown. No. Um, so you, you get the full series. Uh, if, you know, it's just I, 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 I see my boy, our boy, Michael Pena got an episode. Yeah. No, there's so, so, so a little yeah. work for Michael back there in the early days. Yeah. And yeah. You know, Miguel Nunez got an episode. John Cryer got an episode. You know, yeah. so, you know, everybody got everybody got a paycheck. <laughs> so it was it, I just I miss shows like this because there's not yeah. sort of really wacky, quirky human humor on television anymore. Everything's gotten too dark and serious. Yeah. And then lastly here, the uh, complete series of the Borgias uh, with Jeremy Irons. Um, Speaking of dark and serious. Yeah, no kidding. I never felt like I, this, I felt like this was a real missed opportunity. And there were there were a whole bunch of films on the Borgias at one point that were planned. There were like a bunch yeah. of competing projects and they never I think one of them had Glenn Close attached or something. And they never they never got off. Mm-hmm. They never got off the ground. I don't know why. I mean, this is Neil Jordan, you know, um, and, and frankly, it has a sort of the sort of sensibility of a Neil Jordan film. One of those old Neil Jordan. Yeah. Uh, was, I mean, it, creator. Yeah. You know, so it, it was aired on Showtime. It, it It's sort of like the Borgias by way of Lestat. Uh, yeah, yeah, maybe a way of putting it. Yeah, I, I, you know, the the Borgias are such a huge presence in history, uh, and and they're so larger than life. And uh, I, I, I feel like it all got sort of watered down to a to a medieval version of Dallas or Dynasty here. Yeah. You know, yeah. and it's it's more important than that. And if you know, like if HBO had done this, it would have been better. It wouldn't yeah. have been quite oh, yeah. so sultry as, as Showtime did it. But it's not bad. I mean, Jeremy Irons is great, but you do feel like they kind of sleaze it up a little bit. And and the Borgias are sleazy enough already. You don't need to add any more sleaze. Yeah. Uh, so that that being said, I mean, you know, um, as a as a, there are reasons to watch it, but there are reasons not to watch it, too. So it, it, it was the first of a, I think this was the first was the Borgias. And then there's the Tudors. 
Yeah, uh, the, yeah, and then there's yeah. The Medici. Which yeah, I they were they were doing them all. They were doing yeah, them all. They were popped yeah. them all out. So this I think yeah. started that whole run, if I'm not mistaken. One indeed, indeed. So, all right. Well, that does it for the uh, the regular show. If you want to stick around and uh, have me just roll through the anime, I will be doing that right at the end of this show. But uh, Tim, for now, we'll be we'll be off for a couple of weeks. We got some. Uh, We've got Oscar stuff going on and uh, oh, film yeah, week, yeah. film week Oscar shows coming oh, yeah. up fast and furious too. So we'll be announcing that as soon as the details uh, on that, we'll have at least one more show before that uh, rolls around. But um, I guess we, yeah. I guess we know it's March to th- it's, it's the week after the Oscars uh, before. before I'm sorry before yeah so so yeah. we know that <laughs> it's the week before yeah. the Oscars the Sunday, Sunday the, the Sunday before the Oscars and it will be if you're in Los Angeles it'll be at the Orpheum oh yeah new spot. moving venues yeah new spot yeah. over at the Orpheum another another classic old movie palace downtown so uh, with that uh, we will sign off hope all you, right. y'all have a good time bye bye everybody welcome to the anime portion of the show let me jump right into this. Uh, talking about some Sente stuff here. We've got uh, Beyond the Boundary, the complete collection, which uh, is beautifully, beautifully animated. Really, really powerful stuff uh, in terms of the animation. Uh, storytelling is a little bit uh, more um, obscure, a little bit more opaque and impenetrable. Um, dealing with um, kind of a mystical environment, uh, spirit warriors, spirit world warriors, and uh, it takes a little bit to kind of figure out the mythology of the of the show, but uh, otherwise very very good. Peter Grill and the Philosopher's Time is uh, also a, a an interesting fantasy environment. It, at times, this feels a little bit. Uh, it's about a guy who becomes the most you know the strongest guy in the world, and uh, that leads to all kinds of interesting exploits and adventures. I want to say this kind of lives somewhere between uh, Tom Jones, not the singer, the, but the, the, the body kind of uh, uh, 1963 best picture Oscar winning film uh, somewhere between that and uh, Barbarella. If that sounds like the weirdest fusion ever it is, but that's uh, that's sort of the world that this feels like it inhabits. We've also got, also got Chaika, the Coffin Princess, another mythical, mystical environment. I don't know why she carries this coffin around with her. Uh, she's a wizard, and she carries a coffin on her back. And uh, there, this come, the, the narrative here comes at the end of a uh, kind of an epic fantasy war that's spanned uh, many, many hundreds of years. And uh, they're, you know, now we're in a kind of a post-war semi-peace, but it's not quite a peace. There's a lot of weird stuff going on here, like a dragon, there's a unicorn that eats people. It, there's no point in explaining any of it, but the the after many centuries of war, this uh, this mystical girl, this white-haired wizard girl with the, with the coffin backpack shows up. Carol and Tuesday, C-A-R-O-L-E, Carol, ampersand, Tuesday, like the day. These two girls who meet on a uh, slightly terraformed Mars and form a uh, two-girl band and a great friendship. Really interesting that this takes place on Mars. There's really no reason for it to take place on Mars other than to create the, the sense, of a, sense of a frontier environment. But it's really interesting animation, very uh, kind of light anime. I, want to, I say that meaning that it doesn't look traditionally anime. It's anime-inspired, but it definitely deviates from the traditional look of anime, which is nice. Uh, Toka Gatan, The Moonlight Lady Returns. Uh, this is really quite interesting, actually. 
this takes place again in a mythical world, a magical mythical world. And there's um, uh, this mysterious girl who shows up and joins the, the um, this one particular clan. And uh, that then, of course, sets everything off into this fascinating adventure when this after this stranger shows up. It's really interesting. Very well conceived, nicely paced. Uh, pretty cool. Actually, really pretty cool. Uh, the uh, the Prisma Ilya universe has a uh, double complete collection here, a Prisma Ilya two-way and Prisma Ilya two-way hers. I've never really gotten my head wrapped around this whole concept, and I still don't get it, but for those who, who do, it is there. Gunbuster the movie is uh, kind of in this closest thing we have to anything mecha this week. Uh, this is about a girl who is continuing her dad's legacy and fighting space aliens and doing what she needs to do in the uh, expansion into space. Uh, it's a little bit, little bit of again, Barbarella kind of meets Space Cruiser Yamato, but uh, I, this one's this one's actually not too complicated, pretty easy to hang with. The universe doesn't require a steep learning curve. Humanity has declined is this really cool post-apocalyptic story about this girl who kind of communes between humanity and this race of fairies who are hilarious. Um, really, uh, you know, not deep. Twelve episodes gets uh, kind of it, it, that's about that's enough. Twelve episodes is absolutely enough uh, for that, uh, and that is humanity has declined the complete collection. Got some girl band and boy band stuff in uh, review Starlight, the movie, uh, which is great for girls who want to, you know, might have a uh, kind of a performance fantasy. And then Suki Pro, the animation two or Suki Pro two, the animation, which is boy band stuff. Uh, there's no, no shortage of that in Japanese anime. And uh, we've got one apiece this week. Still going through the Sente collection, we have got uh, Monthly Girls Nozaki-kun, which is about a girl who uh, goes to help a cartoonist, uh, a manga author, who is actually moonlighting under a female name. And uh, th then that kind of goes into a semi-Cyrano uh, de Bergerac direction. But it's, uh, you know, a little bit of uh, self-reflexive uh, manga stuff. Listen to me, girls, I'm your father. Story of a guy who has to now raise his three nieces, uh, at least one niece and two step-nieces, after tragedy begets tragedy. Pretty well written. Some pretty deep stuff here for, for something that is a look, has, otherwise has a very light look to it. Himuto Umaru-chan R, the complete collection. Very young skewing, very silly. Uh, almost isn't even worth mentioning but you know girl who comes home from school and then kind of she's the perfect girl at school she's kind of a crazy lunatic when she comes home um not uh it, it's you know it's it's really very young skewing comedy it'll probably make your your five-year-old laugh if they if they have an inkling about anime Uh, Love Election and Chocolate is based on a video game that is famous for kind of having a branching aspect to it where you can pick a lot of different uh, storylines to follow. I'm not sure why it it is intended to work here. Uh, it gets into high school politics inside a very, very large high school. Uh, not really quite sure what the point is. Uh, it's fine, but it looks like a million other things. 
then you've got some kind of prurient stuff here. This is a, this sort of pushes the envelope when, as far as the schoolgirl stuff goes. Saitokai Yakuindomo, the movie two. Uh, again, politics, high school politics, girls doing things they probably shouldn't do. I wouldn't recommend this one for the young kids. The Girls Panzer World has now uh, a movie appropriately titled Girls Panzer Der Film. Uh, you know, it's it's uh, girls playing with tanks. It's I, I, it's a strange premise, but it works and it has a following. Uh, I guess perhaps because they're World War II tanks, they're vintage tanks, so it's not like they're uh, driving around in anything that's uh, over high high tech. So uh, a little bit of nostalgia factor there as well. Um, and then, you know, if tanks are too much, then you can go with BB guns in Aoharu Machine Gun, A-O-H-A-R-U, which is a little bit of a gender-bending story. A girl has to kind of masquerade as a, as a boy to get into this club to engage in these uh, pellet gun or BB gun shootouts. Not really responsible on any level whatsoever, but uh, an interesting story, uh, if for no reason that it has the kind of gender-bending aspect to it. Kim Moza got a bunch of titles this week, uh, complete collections one and two from television and the movie as well. The premise here is all about this uh, Japanese girl and a British girl who have become very, very close friends. And uh, the British girl comes to Japan to go to school and all kinds of wonderful uh, girl shenanigans ensue. A Sakura Trick is a uh, girl-on-girl romance in uh, in a school. Um Interestingly handled, given the premise, and that it's uh, it is aimed at kids, but it's uh, it's not terrible. It's not terrible. It uh, requires some adult supervision, but it's if you know the adults deem it appropriate, I would say definitely filter this and then uh, appreciate some of the writing in it. Uh, Princess Principal Crown Handler is a kind of quasi-Victorian spy thing. It's uh, spy girls in an environment that, uh, in a world that is uh, not quite Victorian France or England, but it uh, sort of aspires to be. It's a cool look, some good character design, nice art direction, uh, and it's, you know, it's a, it's a different kind of a world that it takes place in. Just Because is much more mature, much more uh, just straight drama here. Girl and guy who uh, you know aren't close to finishing their, their school years and have this very, very uh, angsty relationship, a lot of anxiety, a lot of teen issues, uh, definitely aimed at that particular age group to sort of deal with whatever it is that they're dealing with. Uh, I find very, very insightful, and it uh, definitely crosses cultural boundaries. Uh, then we've got uh, Teasing Master Tagaki-san, which is uh, kind of, you know, two, <laughs> it's just two, two kids and, uh, and their mischief. It's, it's in-school mischief. Do they like each other? Do they hate each other? Are they just, uh, you know, just having fun with each other? It's, it's a little juvenile. It's a little thin, but uh, it's, it, you know, could be worse. It could be worse. Um, then we've got, uh, let's see, what's up? Waiting in the summer, uh, waiting in the summer is, it's school oriented. It's a, it's a, it's about a, a bunch of friends 
during well they use school friends and filmmaking with a little bit of a sci-fi magical element to it so I'm uh, not quite sure how to explain how all of that folds together, but the you're supposed to sort of get with it on the level that this is a bunch of kids who are falling in love with filmmaking and through their friendship. And um, the, how that ties in with everything else doesn't really make a whole lot of sense, but, you know, none of these, none of these things make, make that much sense. Really, really good stuff, uh, by the way, coming out from G-Kids and Shout. There's really, really some top-tier stuff. The House of the Lost on the Cape is uh, a wonderful story about a, uh, a teenage orphan and a young mute girl and this old woman who, in the wake of tragedy and disaster, wind up being brought together in the home of this old woman and, uh, and forging a, a bond. And it is absolutely beautiful and poetic and wonderful and uh, really a, a great, terrific work from uh, director Shinya Kawatsura. So look for that from uh, from uh, G Kids and Shout Factory, the House of the Lost on the Cape. The Deer King takes place in kind of a a, uh, an, a fantasy universe. Might be kind of a future fantasy universe, but it's fantasy universe nonetheless. And uh, it's um, parts of it are really amazingly animated, and parts of it are kind of more conventional. Uh, but the parts that are really well animated are absolutely tremendous. And, uh, the director is Masashi Ando. This is, uh, his directing debut. He's worked on a lot of other films previous to that, Spirited Away and, uh, Your Name, some great animation. So, uh, really very promising shows, uh, shows a lot of chops and should do some very interesting stuff in the future. In the meantime, it's just kind of, uh, a heroic journey and uh about this 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 miner who has to become a hero um but you know really very solid introduction to a to a filmmaker who's going to have a lot to say in the future summer ghost is interesting uh they, they invent this premise here that if you go to uh this abandoned airfield and you light fireworks then the summer ghost will appear and uh will tell you all kinds of oracular things and then of course you know the kids get a little bit too attached to this uh, this trick and things spiral out of control. Uh, this is also a directorial debut and uh, and quite a quite a good one. The the uh, the the director is Laundraw Laundraw who is a very well-known animator and illustrator uh, illustrator now an animator and um, has a has a great sense of of illustration and and color and texture and character design. And that's really the strong suit here. The story it, it could could do with a little reworking, but visually this thing is spectacular. Goodbye, Don Gleese, uh from Atsuko Ishizuka is um, feels a little bit like Stand by Me and Explorers and all and a little bit of uh, 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 what are some of the other ones? Uh, well, even Stranger Things. Any of the any of the let's pack a bunch of kids, mainly boys, together and let them go off on an adventure. More stand by me than probably anything else here, but uh, Don Glees is the name that these these guys sort of call their clan, their group, and uh, it follows a very interesting little um, little odyssey. And each of them have their own story arcs, and they go in some really compelling directions. It's a good little good little film, and uh, it gets very very touching and sweet at the end. 
so that's really worth checking out as well from G Kids and Shop Factory. Goodbye, Don Glees, G-L-E-E-S. And coming close to the end here, uh, we've got a couple from uh, from uh, the right stuff, S-T-U-F, rightstuff.com, and uh, in this case, nozomient.com. This is uh, Rental Magica, which is uh, kind of Harry Potter-ish. It's basically, you know, not a school, but it's a family that rents magic or that rents out for people who need magic to be done for them. A um, little bit like Ghostbusters, except with kids. And Ghostbusters meets Harry Potter with magic, maybe is a good way to put it. Anyway, um, it, it's cute. It's interesting. Some, It's got got its moments, 24 episodes, some better than others. But, uh, uh, you know, you can, uh, you can make up your own mind. And then lastly, from Right Stuff and uh, Sunrise is yet another Gundam. This is the from the Gundam Seed line, Gundam S Destiny, uh, the remaster project, Collection 2. Uh, I can't keep track of the entire Gundam universe. This is like, you know, I, I, I'm barely, I think this takes place somewhere in the chronology close to the original Gundam, if I'm kind of trying to, to take a guess at it. But uh, it's 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 uh, centered around a war between the Earth Alliance and the PLANT plant, and uh, you know you've got the Orb Union that now has to come in, and and of course the Gundam suits play a big part, and there's a lot of uh, a lot of fancy techno talk that uh, takes you out of it a little bit unless you're so immersed in the Gundam world that it'll all make sense. Uh, but anyway, uh, if you're into Gundam, it, it's going to work. If you're not, there's no point in ever even even dipping a toe in that world. So that's it for uh, anime this week. Tim and I will be back in a few weeks. Stay dry. We'll be right back.